Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 10. Howdy. We made it. I <laughs> oh, no. Episode 10. And honestly, very few uh, very few mishaps. I think episode 2, we had that one where I sounded like a robot. And that yeah, was pretty... Very that was, few technical. That was pretty much it. Um, yeah. Not too bad for a couple of average guys. Yes. Yes. It's mostly average, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Above average, above average intelligence, but yes, yes. just average everything else. <laughs> it's incredible what uh, a decent microphone will do for the uh, production quality of a show. Um, yeah, I see right. this mic everywhere. Sounds too now. the most important. Yeah. Oh, uh, really? Oh, yeah. I see it everywhere now. Uh, it, it's probably just because I I'm looking for it more. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, mm, who's in the gang? It's not because more thing. people are listening to No Agenda, is it? Uh, I don't know. Um, Mashtori actually, I shouted out uh, uh, Curry and uh, Mo on Twitter today, and Mo actually liked it, which is great. I mean, he's not even like a celebrity. Ooh. He's not even a celebrity, but every time he like interacts with me in any small way, I'm like, ah! <laughs> same. Dude. Like, oh my god, I've gotten some responses. <laughs> Kayla, Kayla was just saying to me this past weekend. She's like, you have no followers on Twitter and hardly any followers on Instagram. Yet you get Oops. all these people to respond and talk to you. Yeah. You get people with, and I'm like, Hey, I don't know what to tell you. I'm just a likable guy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that, that was pretty good. Um, but I, I don't know. Like I would still consider them sort of like somewhat unknown. I mean, obviously not Curry as much as Mo, but mm-hmm. it's not like if I talk about no agenda, everyone knows what i'm talking about it's not like if someone was talking about like but daily select, wire types yeah. that kind of stuff so yeah yeah, yeah. Daily it's, wire. It, yeah, yeah. it's because they're not sensational i like my toast part. with milk <laughs> <laughs> so right. yeah welcome to the underground welcome welcome and before we begin i just want to remind all of y'all that you can follow us on youtube odyssey twitter and instagram and you can also subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen yes. to podcasts and don't forget to drop a rating and on youtube and odyssey don't forget to tap tap just tap tap tapity tap that like button <laughs> <laughs> yeah everyone else else says smash i'm trying to be contrary yeah here. i i like bang <laughs> even though it's got like sexual connotations or whatever mm-hmm. i i was i thought that one it, it almost sounds british to be like oh bang the subscribe yeah. button <laughs> yeah right uh, so if you're interested though we do have a discord community if you're interested in joining just reach out to us on any of the platforms let us know and we'll uh possibly let you in if you meet the qualifications normies um i need some people in there to be like dropping truth bombs on some of these people because like I do it and it gets exhausting because <laughs> like I'll say something and then I go oh, I'm gonna have to sit and have a massive conversation <laughs> you like weigh the pros and cons I know of, <laughs> did I get involved in this especially you know yeah with some of the people in we there love you, we love you Tyler you'll <laughs> 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 probably never hear this I'm not even sure if he actually I listens to the show We'll find out now. I know we will. (laughs) All right. We got to make sure you have your thesis paper ready when you talk (laughs) to Tyler. (laughs) Okay. Are you ready to jump into this first clip? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Let's do it. So 
I uh, I actually heard this on No Agenda, and it made me because uh, I was listening to it today, and it made me really excited. Uh, so I figured we would uh, bring back one of our favorite uh, Canadian pastors uh, for the, uh, <laughs> the police showing back up at his church again, and just his reaction. It's pretty great. Uh, all right, ready. Are you coming to come? Oh, I am. Yeah. Can you not see this? To the place of worship. I can't. Why? We just tested it. I know. We literally just did it. Okay. Let me. Uh. Oh wait, 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 wait. Uh, I got you. We're okay. good. We're good. It just now. It just popped up. Okay. Sorry, everybody. Click watch stream again. All right. Here we go. All right. We're golden. What the Gestapo is doing? You coming to come? You coming to the place of worship to intimidate? And to harass. So you can make an appointment. Lady, listen to me. You can make an appointment. Another day. You Gestapo. Another day. Not this day. Not this day. Not during the church. You understand? Make an appointment. Okay. So go. See you later on. Have a good day. You are sick. That's what you are. And rightfully so, you change your uniforms to black because you're exactly acting like the Gestapo of old. <laughs> Dude. Oh, man. Dude, he kills me. I heard that I heard that earlier today and was like, I'm, I love that's, it. Yeah, we're opening the show with that. I was like... Dude, I love it. I was like, I want this guy to like perform my wedding ceremony this- one day. <laughs> I want his signature on a book. Just I, you know, I know it doesn't matter. Any book. <laughs> I want him to like when someone leaves an ant. Like he's like my answering machine on my uh, my cell phone. <laughs> Go away, yeah. just stop. <laughs> That's what I want my voicemail to say. Um. Oh, dude, and it's so spot on. You think that lady would be tired of going there? Uh yeah. You yeah. You think eventually they would just give up, right? I I, I know. Uh, I heard. Uh, either last week or something that one the way that Canadians have always kind of gotten their way or pushed back against the government is just to complain all the time. And I just kind of found it there. It's like uh, Americans pull out guns and Canadians just complain a lot. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Props to him, though, for standing his ground. Yep. That's what, you know, you need to do. And calling them to their face, too, this is exactly what they're acting like. Yep. All Bottom right. On. So are you ready to talk about Mortal Kombat? Dude, I'm ready. Oh, man. I was going to get a clip for it, but I, I was putting so much together today that I didn't get the, like, Mortal Kombat shout. So it if is, you haven't seen it, go it, watch it. it is spoiler it is. alert. This yeah, is gonna... Spoiler, 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 spoiler alert. Yeah, if you haven't just... seen it by now, it's on you. Yeah. I don't care. Yep. So. Stop what you're doing. If you care, go watch it. Otherwise, we're going to pretty much spoil the entire thing. Um, Fast. Fast forward it if you're listening to us or watching us to probably five to ten minutes from now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think this is going to take too long. There's not a lot to really go over for the most yeah. part. So um, where do you want to start? Dude, so I'll start off. So my rating for it, I I think, if I'm being generous, I think I could genuinely say seven out of ten. I'm fine with six stars. I think we had talked about yeah. it over the weekend, and you said six. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely uh, you know, six, seven. It's right around in there. I can't, know? I can't justify a seven. Like you can't. No, I think uh, it's so. Here's here's why. Um, okay, Kano. I, okay, uh, let's start with the characters. 
I think that's okay. that's fair because Let's that's that. what everyone is excited about. I don't think anyone everyone was excited about the the characters on the big screen or big screen if you will. Uh they were excited about the like fatality stuff because before it came out the promotion was talking about how the movie was going to be like really graphic and very much like mm-hmm. the video games or whatever. And I was always suspicious of that because I was like, those video games are very graphic. graphic. They are very, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, one of Sonya Blade, is it Sonya or her daughter? One of one of the two, one of her uh, uh, fatalities is that she like kicks the other uh, character up into the air and shoots them into a spinning blade of a helicopter so <laughs> you know what I, I mean? Remember that. Yeah. So it's it's one of those yeah. things. There's all sorts of just insane fatalities in that. Um, and so I was I was kind of suspicious, but I guess kind of hopeful. I got excited the closer to release it came out, but um, the characters are mostly good. It, they they feel like a lot of them like B tier versions yes. of what's in the Sci-Fi. game. Like on the sci-fi channel yeah like it's it's not they put it out <laughs> yeah so you know have you there was a lot like when it came out everyone gave that that movie uh really like a lot of praise because they did a really good job casting the adult versions of the kids so they they one-to-one mm-hmm. you're like i believe that the kid version would grow up to be this person right and it's not exactly right. the same but when you're looking for actors and actresses to play uh, in this movie, you would think that they would that would be the place that they would spend a majority of their time yes. is like making sure it's as close as possible, and it works. And I know you're not going to get um a hundred percent, but I, I don't know. Other than some of the characters like that, you don't see their faces, or obviously Goro mm-hmm. is easy to do because he's just a big CG dude. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, Shang Tsung looked terrible. Yeah, didn't he? I I was kind of like, cause I don't know, like I guess I was looking for look something. Menacing. No, he looked kind of goofy. Like his, it looked like his his uh, his costume didn't fit quite right. Yep. Um, there was a lot of weird details like that that just kind of seemed off. But I thought I thought Cabal was pretty good. I thought they did a pretty good job with with his design. You know, speedy guy with the the hook mm-hmm. swords. Um, mm-hmm. Cabal was good. Kano was good. I thought Kano was cast really well, in my I thought, opinion. I thought he was really annoying. I thought. Don't get me wrong. I thought they. I thought. I think that's less to do with his look, though, is what you're saying. The the the, the actors portray all the character and the character himself, and more to do with the writing and putting too much of him in there. Yeah, I would agree. You know it's, what I mean? It's writing and direction because it's just like. It, it it was like oh he's supposed to be the the comedic relief of the movie or whatever mm-hmm. and then it was like oh is that all he is he just has like these annoying like quips throughout yep, the movie qualities and you're just like uh I it, it must have been thirty minutes in and I was like he's just he's wearing me out was, dude when he spit on that garden gnome oh, and they showed it yeah I was like this is disgusting it was, this is gonna come back they're not showing this for no reason exactly yeah. this is a way and to it, be subtle there it did. Seems so useless and pointless. Like, why does that have to be a scene? So you know what I mean. I thought Jacks. I thought Jacks aesthetically was okay. I thought they picked a, yeah, a pretty good actor. I thought, was too. I thought they picked a pretty good actor. I think he was actually one of the more interesting characters in the movie. And I, I think this is actually a an issue with the movie as a whole, is that the most interesting characters 
get the least amount of screen time, right? Mm-hmm. So, so who are the most interesting characters to you? I would say that Sub-Zero and Scorpion had, I mean, mm-hmm. their, their whole dynamic, it's literally how the movie opens, and then they forget about it until the last 30 minutes of the movie, if that, yep. right? Um, well, Jax, Sub-Zero's pieced in there some, right? But yeah, kind of. He basically is it, like it's weird. a horror villain, which is like fine, I guess. I, I, I it was fine, but I, I it didn't really do anything for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, and and it's because like I, I thought the story was going to center around Scorpion's revenge because that's what they yeah. set up to be the plot, and that's what it is in the games. There's an animated movie that came out a couple of years ago where that's sort of the the plot of the animated movie. And so maybe that's just because I had that in my head. Uh, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, may- they are going to center this mostly around Scorpion. And ev- um, and so those characters, I'm trying to, th- that might be it, man. I Yeah. Was there anybody else that stood out to you? I can't think of any, I mean, I might just be forgetting. No, uh, uh, Luke Kang's character was kind of, eh. Yeah, Kung he was Lao was fine. He was fine. Yeah, Kung Lao. I thought he was fine. Kung Lao was fine. Until they just unceremoniously kill him off, and then they go, eh, whatever. It's like yeah. it's like Luke Kang's best friend, and he's like, no. And then they're immediately over, and they're like, we need to get back to business. And I'm like, I was hoping they would actually focus more on him, yeah, rather than Luke Kang. You know, so much uh, with Luke Kang, yeah. That's all seemed kind of weird. It seemed kind of weird, like how they even found the temple in the first place. Like, yeah, he's like, this. <laughs> yeah, just everything was very convenient. There's lots of conveniences that get them to where they're going. My main problem is that the main character felt unneeded. Oh, totally. You know, he was a okay. So, can I tell you what I? I I thought about this afterwards. Now, I don't know if uh, the actress would have been a strong enough, uh, strong enough in in her abilities to uh, make this work. But I think they should have made Sonya Blade the main character and everything she should have been i was gonna say she should have been the sympathetic uh person that is essentially the this is what happens a lot in movies so the everyman character or the character that the audience is supposed to see all the events through sonya could have worked perfectly for that because she was the only character for most of the movie that didn't have the like emblem or whatever uh, and we're talking about like what we're working with, right? Not like a complete, right. like what I would do, but within the confines mm-hmm. of what they had to work with. Um, she was the only one that didn't have the emblem. So there's actually sort of like this progression of like, you want to see her overcome her obstacles, right? Uh, it also mm-hmm. fits into Hollywood's sort of like intersectionality where it's like a female lead. Mm-hmm. Um, she's strong, uh, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And she's basically a normal person. Like she... For most of the movie, she doesn't have super any sort of superpowers or whatever. Um, she was in the military, so that's kind of got a sympathetic angle to it. Um, there's just all these things that... Oh, the whole uh, situation with Jax uh, also makes her a sympathetic character and something that you mm-hmm. can relate to uh, through her eyes. Uh, yeah, but they put Colin, right? That's his name, as this... Uh, yeah as this sort of like everyman character, but he's so bland and so boring and they, they don't really do much There's with no him. To him. Yeah. He's just kind of there. Just, he's just there. <clears throat> they have the whole family so I angle. Thought a better, it's like, eh. I thought a better route to go would have been to, uh, 
what you just said, focusing on Scorpion's revenge. Yeah. But then have Cole, like you think if you want to have Cole as a main character, I'm fine with that, right? But instead of introducing a new character, he he ends up being Chameleon and he's on the bad side or oh, whatnot. Yeah. Um switches. I thought or... that yeah, like a twist to it yeah. and everything. You know, that could have made it more interesting, right? Just, you know, working within their parameters. Um, I wish they had just gotten rid of it. Or them, whatever. I, I just don't think yeah. I just like, thought that could have been a better use, like using him that way versus, true. oh, introducing an entirely new character that, again, even if they want to endure, in, introduce an entirely new character, they just did a bad job at doing it. Exactly. Just, it's out of place, bland. You it, know, I don't even have any problem with them introducing a new character. It's just bad. They went <laughs> off this whole idea of, well, so it, of Scorpion is popular. So let's play off Scorpion mm-hmm. being popular and make the main character an ancestor of Scorpion. And it's like, why didn't you just make Scorpion the main character? Or at least like a major <laughs> part in the movie. Right? It's, it was, you it was know what weird. it reminds me of? There's that dude that's popular. I guess, I don't know if it's on Instagram or on TikTok. And he, what he does is he'll take videos of people doing something complicated. And when there's a simple way. So for example, this lady was using some kind of device to cut a lime into four and she was going like hitting it over and over again. It took her like eight tries, nine, ten tries to finally get it to slice all the way through. Yeah. And he yeah. just and, and he doesn't speak. He just took the lime and he cut it into four quarters like what she was trying to want in like, you know, five seconds. And he goes Yeah. And he's like, so basically it's like the simple way yep. is oftentimes the most effective and yeah. in you know, efficient thing to do. Not that there can't be complexity to it. And I think that's what you're saying here. Mm-hmm. Go with Scorpion, the simple way, rather than trying to, you know, make a difficult path for yourself. Yeah. And I, if I was to take a guess, I think that they were just doing everything in their power not to have Johnny Cage be the main character in this movie. Do you know why? <laughs> if I if I'm gonna be cynical Go about it, Go ahead. it's because he's a white male. Yeah. I mean that's that's basically <laughs> I it. the same thing. Because they basically because the second movie is obviously going to center he'll, somewhat. He'll be in it on Johnny Cage. I, I'll make a guess. If they make a second movie, which is not I don't know if you've seen anything about it. I didn't check before uh nah. beforehand, but if they make a second movie, he'll be in it, but he'll take Kano's place. He'll be the comedic relief and be just as annoying as Kano because all he does is make mm-hmm. uh, make quips, and then for some reason so- Sonya will fall in love with him because that's just what's supposed to happen, right? Because that's the story of that, and it's it was really just right. dis- and and you can kind of tell that because uh, who killed Goro in this movie? Cole. Who kills Goro in the original one? Oh, I forget. Was is is it Johnny Cage? It's Johnny Cage. Johnny it's Cage, classic right? because I he he hits him in the balls. I can't remember if he does yeah. his like his his famous like split uppercut. I, I'm pretty yep. sure that's what it was, and it's like synonymous with Mortal Kombat at this point. Is like that's Johnny Cage's thing okay. or whatever, and they just completely disregard that and bring in a character that has nothing to do with the series. And again, man, this is like this is pretty common for video game movies. They have mm-hmm. a they have a bad history of getting into like a writer's room, I guess, and people just replacing stuff or I almost thinking that they know better and they can do it better. And then it gets out there and everyone's like, oh, whatever. Yeah, right. So it's like stick to the source material you have and grow from there. Not that you yeah. can't add your new stuff to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's why, again, 
you a, a great example of this is the Lord of the Ring movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you haven't seen or if you haven't read the books, Peter Jackson does a great job of sticking to the source material, but he makes it his own in certain respects. For example, the eye of Sauron in the movie isn't actually that physical eye that you see there. It's just the planeteer and Sauron has access to most of them. Mm-hmm. And that's how he's able to see everything and, and corrupt people and stuff like that. Right. And so, whereas, you know, there's always this metaphorical allegorical eye in the, in the books, mm-hmm. whereas in the movies, Peter Jackson makes it a physical thing yeah. that, you know, so. Yeah. You have, you have to make decisions like that sometimes for a visual medium. Right. Things can't but he always... made it his own. He didn't exactly. Just, you know, he where, where they went wrong is adding the new character in The Hobbit. Right. One of the uh, one of the areas they went wrong yeah. is adding Tariel. <laughs> Wait, was that which was that the was that Evangeline Lilly's character, the love interest of one of the, the Hobbits? Was. Yes. That's yeah. That's yeah. Evangeline Lilly from Lost. Okay. Um, yeah, but. Yeah. Uh, you know, I thought it was really dumb that they avoided doing the whole tournament thing, sticking with sort of this trend yeah. of they wanted to like try to make it their own thing, and it turned out, in my opinion, to be worse than if they had just followed like Mortal Kombat Nine. They had the blueprint, right? Mortal Kombat Nine's not right. that old. It was a pretty well done story, and then you could have interspersed fights and characters uh, into that. Instead, they were like, well. What if the plot was that Netherrealm just wanted to take out all of the fighters before the tournament even started? <laughs> and so Goro ends up fighting Cole on a farm. And you're like, what? And then right. my other big complaint, and then, I, and then the floor is yours, is that they, uh, they do this thing through the entire movie where they constantly remind you of the like most popular things from the game. There was one that made me laugh, and it was the one where they're training, and I think it's uh, Kung Lao keeps tripping. Uh, yes. Uh, oh, not Kung Lao. It was... Uh, it was Liu Kang. Liu Kang. He kept tripping Kano. He kept tripping Kano with a sweep, and that's a that's a pretty common thing that used to happen. It still happens in uh, when you're playing against uh, other people because uh, it's super cheap, and it does a lot of damage, and so people will just yeah. leg, leg sweep because nobody thinks to either low block or jump over it and jump backwards, whatever. And uh, I, I, la- I chuckled at that. And then ev- after that, I was like, oh, they're going to keep doing this, right? So yeah. the finish him, or get, get over here, or fatality. I'm like, why would anyone just say fatality <laughs> after they did that? Uh, yeah that that stuff right yeah oh and then they go to like that bridge like the famous bridge that's one of the the fights from or one of the uh the stages from mortal Kombat, and they don't even mm-hmm. knock anybody into the spikes that are below it and i was like wasted right? opportunity wasted opportunity <laughs> anyway the floor is yours please no nah, i think i think that's good you pretty much covered it my complaints I, my, I, my main one was just the the acting choices the casting the uh dialogue the writing yeah it was and then uh the main character mm-hmm. i uh i liked most of the fights just to 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 put some of the uh um, the cgi wasn't i didn't think i didn't yeah. think the cgi was that bad you I know mean, I, I hate that 
these movies constantly make reptile just into a lizard and he never has his like ninja uniform on or whatever like what a great opportunity to like make him a ninja and then rip his his mask off and he's a big lizard right to add sort of that like oh this is serious sort of thing to it instead he's just a big lizard that they fight at one point and it the movie feels too like overproduced um, mm-hmm. I think that's that's kind of the complaint. But I also like I didn't hate it because I knew it was going to be schlocky, which is why I think a six right. like if I, I you know you make me put numbers on things you like that and so I would have said six out of ten you know um, if I think about it too much I might drop it down even more. But I liked the moments with Sub Zero and Scorpion. I thought most of that worked pretty well and their fights were pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. You can tell that the stunt doubles were a little more gracious in certain scenes because some of the fights look slow and way too paced out, uh, which is a really mm-hmm. big problem in like B movies. And so for it to be in something like this, I'm like, it's just not very good. Fatalities were yeah, good. Same. The gore was good. I mean, you get, you kind of get some of the things that, that, uh, at least for me, what I was looking for to come out of this was like decent fights. And then for it to be somewhere in the level of, the violence of the games and they yeah they kind of get there but in some places it just it doesn't work so it is my whole thing is is this if you can't have what would you say just off the top of your head is a great movie that has a bunch of cgi in it well like you would say is like a tier Mm. for cgi would you say avengers would you say what yeah maybe yeah, maybe right. like in game or and uh, 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 Infinity War. Uh, yeah, right. they've, they've got pretty. I mean, it's it it works because you're not having to think about it too much. That's generally what you want is you don't want your CGI even if there's a lot of it in it. I would say um, Alita Battle Angel did an okay job with that. You never really it, it that movie you never really care that a lot of it's CG. It just kind of works. Mm-hmm. Um, so my so. whole thing is this, if you can't have it at that level, you should probably more gear towards the original Lord of the Rings practical to use an example. The first scene in that movie in Mortal Kombat was so great. And there's not a ton of CGI in that. Mm-hmm. Is there? No, there's probably a little bit to, to fill in, They, you know, and that's fine. Cause even, even some of like the most prolific directors in Hollywood, they do, um, CG for certain certain things. Uh, right. to, to, sometimes it's to fill in backdrops, so they'll mm-hmm. completely change the backdrop of a city in order to fit the aesthetic because there's just no way to do it practically. Um, mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I love practical effects. Uh, I, I think some of that yeah. it, it's a semi dying art form, um, and I I hate that everything goes so hard into CG. It's why like even stuff like uh, Godzilla versus Kong, it gets mm-hmm. old after a while because you're just like, this might as well have been a cartoon, right? Um, right. It's why it bothered me when uh, everyone kept calling the new Lion King that came out a live action movie. I'm like, it's not. It's literally just CG. It's just yeah, it looks just more realistic. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, come on, guys. <laughs> it's, it reminds me of that meme with on um, SpongeBob where it's Patrick and that evil villain, and it's and it's you you go through the different. Uh, you know, mean pictures of, of the guy being like, okay, so it has uh, CGI in it. It has this, it has this. So it's an anime movie. No, it's live action. Yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> so, 
uh, yeah, so that's what I mean. I think like being able to, if you don't have the budget to make it something to where it's not noticeable, that's like an A level, right? Or elite level, then, um, going the live, the, the Lord of the Rings way to where you're using more practical effects, mm-hmm. more makeup and costumes, I think just serves so much better. Uh, I, let me, let me say so this. Yeah, that's my uh, final thoughts. Yeah. I, a great example of a lower budget movie by today's standards um, that did CGI very well, but also used a lot of practical sets and um, I think some creatures and just like uh, there's like a robot in the movie is Love and Monsters. Um, yep. I think they, uh, they 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 blend those things really well. They don't overdo the CG. The dog's not CG. I think the robot really isn't. They might, and again, they might do little things here and there to to help. Uh, but they save the CG for most of the monsters. It blends in really well. I think it. I don't know if it won uh, the the Academy Awards were last night, and no one watched it. Surprise. Uh, but no. they uh, it did get nominated for uh, CG or for like uh, whatever art the art direction or whatever the case may be. Uh, for that category, but it did get nominated based on the CG work that they did, and it, it honestly it deserved to win if it didn't because it was very well done. My camera's all it over was. the place today, um, but you're right. That that said, six out of ten. It's on again. This is another. It's on HBO Max. So if you have that, it's not a terrible popcorn watch. Um, obviously, it's not great. If it's not like a suitable for for all ages movie. But you, if you and some of your friends want to get together and just you know, it's it's not that bad. So, great oh, date night movie. You know what else was not great about it though? It was the the hmm. audio quality of it? Did you notice that? Yeah. Like the music yep. in the background and some of it, it's, the the mixing felt weird. It's just it was, agreed. Yeah. I did notice that. We noticed that. We kept having to also turn it down and turn it up. Uh huh. Yeah, I think there there's def, there was definitely some mixing issues with it because it just it was like there was music playing and I was like, uh, just it's too low to get you in the mood for what's happening in the scene. And then you're like, uh, anyway. And then of course they save the theme for like the credits. And so it just, yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, I wanted to mention Falcon and the winter soldier. We don't have to go like deep dive into this because I think Mm -hmm. I've kind of like, for the most part in past episodes said my piece about the whole thing. Um, I, okay. I believe that this is, one of the worst things that Marvel and Disney have produced. Legitimately. I I legitimately think it's on like Thor Dark World, original Thor. What were some of those other like real like lower tier? I'm not gonna call them out. I didn't say anything this past Sunday, but someone who lives next door to me who listens to this podcast yeah. said that he liked all the Thor movies. <laughs> Uh, no, I think uh, Ragnarok's pretty good. Uh, I, I'm a Taika, I'm a Taika yeah. Waititi fan though, so it, that I'm biased in that sense. But yeah, I think it was kind of terrible, to be honest. Uh, I, I thought WandaVision was at worst uh, pretty good, and at best, it's actually a pretty good show, like a, a, a nice mm-hmm. like between whatever they're they're going for next. Um, right. I, there are some people that hated it. Uh, I I think. No matter what you thought of WandaVision, this is significantly worse. Mm. It's bloated. It's preachy. Um, 
a lot of it is yeah it's very it's very simplistic for something that's supposed to be about yeah uh it's supposed to be like this international terrorist organization espionage um you know baron zemo who was supposed to be one of the smartest characters gets like this back seat um there's too much going on It, it takes forever to sort of figure out if anyone besides the little ginger girl is a villain in the show, um, they there's just this ridiculous thing about the super soldier serum where it was like, oh, it was lost forever, but this one guy figured it out, but then it doesn't matter because he dies too, and then all of the, the serum gets destroyed. And, and it felt so convoluted to get to all of these characters being in the place they need to be to move on to phase four of the Marvel universe. And, and that's, that's what I hate the most about it. Falcon saved the world and Bucky too. Right. But Falcon did they, and and the cop didn't know who the Falcon was this international global superhero that, you know, has saved the world multiple times. Well, didn't know who he was. And then on top of that, his family got upset at him for being away because Thanos snapped him. Out of existence for five world. years. How dare you? Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. The messaging is weird. Excuses, man. Yeah. The messaging's weird. It's not consistent. They they do this whole thing, right? And, and it's really funny from like a libertarian perspective because they do this whole thing where the bank doesn't want to give him a loan, right? And they're doing the whole like, uh, you know, uh, the black man's having a hard time in America because he can't get the bank loan. But there's actually this weird, like, volunteerist message in episode, I think, five, where mm-hmm. that happens, right? That's like episode one. Five episodes later, he has this revelation that his mother was a pillar in the community and did lots of stuff for all of the families in their community. And so mm-hmm. he calls them all up, gets favors, and solves the problem completely. Not to mention he could have just called Pepper Potts and gotten probably and, gotten the money. Exactly, right. And there, not to mention this, that if somebody was racist and didn't want to give out a loan, highly unlikely they would choose a popular superhero to do that to. Exactly. Just who, saying. Who works for the military, who saved the world, who has probably, if if he's on social media, has a massive social media following. This is what I'm saying. It does not make sense. And that that's why so much of the show, right? Like, I don't necessarily have a problem with people wanting to put interesting ideas about race relations and um, the dynamics between people who come from mm-hmm. different backgrounds. The problem is, is that they picked a superhero thing that isn't about the real world, that had this massive thing that happened in uh, one of the final movies in like the 10-year-long cycle. And right. they're still trying to say racism is the biggest problem that this man is dealing with, right? And it that's why I'm saying it's like it's preachy, it's simplistic in the way that they handle a lot of this stuff. Like it's it's just it, it's not that interesting, right? They're clearly right. trying to uh, hit the intersectionality uh, segment and just like mark off all their things. And what's interesting is that I think what it is, is it's that idea of being anti-racist. So they have to actively mm-hmm. be, uh, saying these things are bad 
and the writers are fully in on all of that. And so they're like, we have to put this in here because we have to make sure people know where we stand on all this because we have to continue to be active in the things that we're doing. And I'm just like, we got to make sure no, everybody knows our identity politics. Exactly. Cause that's the first, the most important thing about everybody apparently. And it's, it's, it's hurting. annoying. It's freaking everywhere. It's hurting them. And side note, it's hurting them. That was, this is what I'm talking about. Brett Favre came out. You know who Brett Favre is? No, I hey, know who, I, mean, I know who he is. He he played for uh, Green he, Bay, right? Yeah, he did. Uh, Hall of Fame quarterback, right? Yep. He came out and said that he basically doesn't think that politics should be in sports. That people should be able to just turn on TV and watch it. Yeah. And I think for me, along with this, it's because it's in everything. People are just overwhelmed, stress, and it's like, like it's constantly in your face. Boom, That's, boom, yeah. boom, and everything, and conversations, and people you talk to, social media, in the news, in movies, in TV shows, in sports, in church, and it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Identity politics, and so it's man, people need a break to come around something to where I don't have oh, to, yeah. You know what I mean? Talk about I, this. I started watching like old TV shows and older movies mm-hmm. and classics and a lot of stuff because I am so sick of it, right? I've talked about uh, Invincible, the the show before, and it's like it's in that. It's in all this Disney stuff now. Uh, it's like you can't watch any modern movie, TV show, whatever, without them having to, and, and I mean it this way, force it. Yep. Into the face of people. It's not and it it's not done in a way where it's like subtle and potentially makes sense for what's going on in the world. They're like, no matter what the story is and how convoluted and how much it doesn't make sense for what's going on, we have to push this narrative. Yeah. No matter what. And that doesn't make for good entertainment. And ultimately people are gonna continue to catch on to it. I think I you know, we'll get into this Nancy Pelosi clip in just a second, but the, a lot of these like movies and, and this entertainment stuff is starting to say the quiet things out loud in the sense that they're not making it very subtle what they're trying to do. You know, mm-hmm. it's just overt and in your face. It's like the last episode of uh, yeah. Falcon the Winter Soldier. Sam starts ranting uh, to uh, senators, I think, about them needing to do better and to sort. It essentially comes down to he's saying, don't use force as the government to do what you want to do. Use force to do what I want you to do. Still force people to do things, but only do it (laughs) based on my set of morality, not on yours. And I'm just like, this is ridiculous. I'm like, this is ridiculous, right? And that's exactly what it is. When the whoever the Captain America was, what was his name in the show? The the white guy that ended up being Captain America. Kurt, Kurt Russell's son. That's the only. Yeah, okay. Yeah. He's like it, yeah. he he. Uh, he is. Joseph or Justin asked me. He was like, "What's that guy's name?" I was like, "Uh, I think it's like Fed Boy or something." <laughs> Kurt Russell's son. That's yeah. his name. Kurt Russell's uh, son. <laughs> anyway, it's wrong for him to violate international law. Right. right, but then Wakanda chicks can come yeah. in there and violate national law, and it's fine. The Dora Milaje or what? You know, I think I, yeah, I was talking. To, I was talking to some people last night, and I, I think I called them like the I don't remember something else. 
Um, but yeah, it's just like oh, we man. do. They're basically like we do whatever we want, and you're like, huh? I was like, they're. I mean, okay, I guess it's okay for them to do it, but yeah. it's not okay for this guy to do it. Exactly. Um, they can serve their country, and it's fine. But he's evil for wanting to serve his yeah. country. He takes out a terror. He takes out a terrorist Bucky. for his country yeah. that's blown up innocent people. That's not okay by their standards, right? Like we're talking specifically about the show's standards. But right. other people doing that for their countries, presumably based on race, totally fine. Yep, totally fine. Yeah, I don't know, dude. It's not very and good. And then Bucky going to sensitivity training. Oh was yeah, Bucky yeah, 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 yeah. Poor Bu Bucky and was just like sad, like a sad boy the whole time. You know. All right. Yeah, we're done. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, you know. <laughs> I could so, talk more. Speaking of the state, uh, Nancy Pelosi recently came out after the decision uh, on what happened to George Floyd, and she also said the quiet things out loud. And I just I wanted to mention this. So again, thank you, George Floyd, for sacrificing your life for justice, for being there to call out to your mom. How, how heartbreaking was that? Call out for your mom. I can't breathe. But because of you and because of thousands, millions of people around the world who came out for justice, your name will always be synonymous with justice. I just want to know the logical reason for voting for that lady. I just want one solid logical reason for a Democrat party in general or anything. But for her, like, why? How? <laughs> Who votes? Who? <laughs> I don't. I don't get it. I here's here's the deal. I have a couple friends that live in California, and I I think mm -hmm. I'm gonna see them sometime this year. I will ask. I will ask her. I'll just be like. Look, I'm it's like this is not me trying to start anything. Would you vote for Nancy Pelosi? Have you voted for Nancy Pelosi? And if so, why? Because <laughs> you're right. I want to know. Because especially after something like this, right? She said, and and this is the thing that people are uh, are are missing with what she said. Mm -hmm. Um, she said without actually saying it, but this is what she's getting at: that George Floyd was a sacrifice for the state in order for the state to survive. Yep. This is, and, and people need to understand this statism in and of itself is a religion. People, people worship the state. That is a massive part of what statism is. It's why they defend it. It's why you have, uh, words that come around like deny, like when you, when, when certain aspects of the state talk about like, climate denial or even a lot of this stuff that goes on with um, uh, intersectionality and, and some other things that, that, uh, that they talk about, it is in a religious context. Like what she's talking about is a sacrificial lamb in order for right. justice to prevail, right? As if yep. he had to die and sacrifice his body and call out to his mother in order for the justice system to continue to work properly. So make no mistake, right. that's what happened. And I am, and it's just my opinion, also convinced in some degree that's what was going on with Chauvin as well. It's a, it's, it's. Oh yeah, it was, a, it was a win-win situation for the state. Yes, absolutely. 
and no one it was and, a win-win. and we will I, I didn't really want to get into it but there was the uh, the DOJ is doing an investigation into Minneapolis, and you can find this in the show notes. I I, cl- I clipped uh, a segment of um, an article that was emailed to me and uh, Axios, which I'm not a big fan of, but they were the one that that was the source of the story. So that's all in there. Yeah. You can go read about this, but they're doing an investigation into it, and I think that they're still missing the point, right? Because they're not mm-hmm. they're not looking at the laws, and they're not looking at the people who are in charge, uh, who are enforcing the laws. It's like if I have, this is what it is, what I told you earlier, they're pulling out the teeth. Teeth would represent the police officers, right? Yeah. But they're not getting to the root of the issue, which would be, you know, uh, laws, policies, Mm -hmm. procedures, training, this, that. They're not talking. They're not trying to get both sides right. And um to, to bring understanding okay how can we correct this how can we fix this because there's a lot of things that go into play and i think you know the outcome from not handling it in a reasoned and balanced way but going from one end of the pendulum right to mm-hmm. where it's every single cop's getting off like let's just say that media narrative right every single cop is getting off that does anything bad to anyone no matter who it is right going from that end of the pendulum to the other mm-hmm. And whereas it's, I'm not necessarily the answer. Oh, it has, I am saying the answer is in the middle, right? A balanced (laughs) approach to it and a reasoned approach to where it's okay. Let's consider all these different factors, these policies, procedures, laws, and training, and let's correct this. Let's not, let's go after the leaders, right? That put these into practice and hold them accountable instead of just the symbol. I I think Chauvin was just a symbol, man just a symbol of uh, what the media was portraying as um, bad cops going to get off. So, He's the justice system doesn't work. And then, <laughs> and then he gets found guilty in all three. <laughs> yeah. Which they contradict. I, I really, I really do. They contradict I each other. I do not think. Yes. I do not think that some of Democrat leaders, Nancy Pelosi, yeah. Maxine Waters, I'm just gonna name them two by name. I don't think they wanted Chauvin founded guilty. Hmm. How come? I think they wanted him acquitted, at least on. I'm not saying on every charge, right? At least on the higher charges to be able to keep using this race bait card, the race card and race narrative. Yeah, to keep feeding the people to keep that cycle and that narrative the going tension, and the going anger and going. Yeah. And we've seen since then that tension and that anger and that uh, mindset going without realizing people realizing that this stuff happens to white people. Yep. It does. So, so here's Here in Arizona. I think it was Arizona or New Mexico. I want to say to where uh, this jerk cop, this terrible cop, right? This horrible man, horrible man, murdered a white guy that was drunk that was trying his best being drunk right mind you right to comply right and 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 the officer says don't don't reach and pull your pants and he oh uh, yeah he's in the hallway right that video yeah he's in the hallway yeah i know exactly what you're talking about not a threat at all no not a threat at all all. and he's like he's like i am complying i am complying and at some point they just shoot him and (laughs) This is that happens all the time, 
all the time. It does. And, 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 here's, it's, and here's, it's so funny because go ahead. BLM was just this past weekend, <laughs> this past week or this past weekend, they were protesting for an unarmed man that was shot by the police, right? Yep. And they stopped protesting once they realized he was a white male. Yep. Yeah. They stopped protesting. Yeah. That says all you need to know. Yeah, it does. It's a com- uh, yeah, it's a complete grift at this point. I don't think it has the legs it that it it's used just, to. Just, and instead of, to me, it's not about focusing, in my opinion, about trying to reform the criminal justice criminal justice no. system, which I'm all for and, and everything. But it's about you know trying to accomplish their agenda and their narrative of using race. Yeah, what they, and that's why I say it's a psychop. They're what, trying to divide people, keep people divided. What Go they ahead. what they want. So you know how they talk about equity all the time? Mm-hmm. And equity being, what is it, opportunity of outcome, uh, outcome. not uh, not op- not Guaranteeing op- the opportunity of outcome. Right, not opportunity of, shoot, my brain's... Uh, Equality would, would have... Would be opportunity of... Frick, sorry oh, guys, I completely forgot. No, no, anyway, outcome. I I'm having the brain fart. You made me. You, you I know. I brain farted. The dude. brain aneurysm. To me. So it's uh, it's uh. outcome versus um, equality, which is opportunity of like your ability to do the same things as other people. It doesn't. Your outcome right. may not be equal, but you have the equal ability to the same opportunity. Opportunity. You have the you have the same yep, opportunity, the but the opportunity may not be exactly the same in the outcome right like uh if you and i were both to start a clothing company um we have the same opportunity to start that but our outcome oh it's it's equality of opportunity versus equality of outcome that's what the that's what the phrase is i had to work through we had to work through it um and so we got there what they want is a, a equality of outcome for everyone so the if if the, the numbers were out there or if and and this is where all the like the statistics come in and, and say what you will about all that it's it's all messed up mm-hmm. no matter what side you're on and like the percentages of this people are never 100% honest about it but essentially mm-hmm. what they want at least for the narrative is concerned is what well, we just want as many white people to be shot as black people and that's going to be hard for people to hear but that's what they mean by justice right they're like we want white people to be in jail just as much as we see black people in jail when in reality, what everyone should be working towards is for less people in general, right? It's like, because if if a situation works out well for one person based on the justice system and things actually were working properly and we weren't mm-hmm. throwing people in jail for drug, like uh, nonviolent drug crimes, we were getting people out of jail for nonviolent drug crimes that were not, uh, what's the term, like uh, brought down from a violent charge, um, mm-hmm. essentially to get nonviolent criminals out of jail and stop prosecuting people for doing things that some people see as morally wrong versus other people, right? Um, right. It's like, because as a Christian, you might see... Nonviolent crimes. Right. As a Christian, you might see a uh, something that is unlawful as also being uh, morally, un- uh, morally wrong, but that does not inherently make that lawfully wrong. Like, that doesn't mean that that person should be in jail just because you think something like prostitution, uh, you should be thrown in jail for that. Right. So it's that's a complicated thing. We can get into it at another time. But that's that's the general right. idea is that Yeah, and, no, you're right. And that's why things that where there isn't a victim in a situation. So, you know, if you went out 
and shot someone, right? There's a victim in that situation. But if you, mm-hmm. Joseph, went out to buy some drugs from someone, you bought those drugs, went back to your house, uh, no matter what happened to you, that's a nonviolent interaction, and there's no reason to throw you in jail and for anyone's taxpayer dollars to go to something like that. So, Right. I, and we can get into nuances of that. We're just talking yeah. about general. And so we're I not say, talking about selling dope to 12-year-old kids. I say all, We're just talk, generally here. We're talking about adults. I, I say all that, and you, you had mentioned it before because the state – one, no matter what the outcome of this was, because mm-hmm. they Chauvin sac- being the sacrifice, no matter what you kind of feel about the trial, this is really what it was. Uh, he was a sacrifice to the state in order to appe- appease justice, which mm-hmm. is what some people worship as their God at this point. Mm-hmm. Everything that kind of surrounds that, it, it all has this very spiritual aspect to it, even, even though people will deny that. That's what it is. Um, it was essentially, he was a sacrifice to the God of justice in order to appease the wrath of that coming back on cities and communities and a lot of what we saw last year in the, uh, the most, mostly peaceful protests. That's my theory yeah. at least. And I, 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 have talked to a couple of people about it and they're just kind of like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Um, it is it significantly more spiritual than people want to make it out to be. And shout out to Mo for oh, it is for kind of leading Pointing me down that. that. Shout out yeah. to, uh, oh, what are they called? Just Thinking Podcast for pointing that out. I listened to Just Thinking mm-hmm. Podcast before I listened to that episode with Mo, and then I was like, ah. Oh. There's Two an aspect to people it. people from the, yeah. Yeah. Saw that. And, oh, yes, that whole say say her name or say his name or whatnot is a mantra. That, yeah. Again, this isn't the episode for, but it it's a religion. Okay, so I wanted to, uh, you sent me this on Twitter and I wanted to play this as sort of like an introduction into this conversation we're going to do about uh, critical race theory and intersectionality in the church. Um, Yes. So let me play this clip and then I'll kind of explain how I, I got to this topic because um, we had kind of talked about some things. Um, Hang on. Let me find it first. Goodness. No, you're good. Okay. I this have hilarious. I have found it and I am the whoops. logic here is impeccable. Bro. This is <laughs> high IQ. You know, the funny thing about the doing the show is that I have to watch these clips over and over. <laughs> and so it, it works in a way because you're forced to like sit there and you're like, Yeah, this is dumb. It's not like that first thing you go, Oh, it's dumb, and you move on. It's like, oh, this right. is not good. So uh, this is a small taste of what I think happens when you try to educate people through the lens of critical race theory and intersectionality. How is eating meat racist? I'll gladly tell you. Looks like we've got an oppressor on our hands. So, during slavery times, slaves did not get to eat the same things as their masters. They got the scraps that no one wanted, chitterlings. Now that black people have overcome slavery, they developed a rich barbecue culture to make up for all the meat eating that they lost out on. So when you go to the store and you buy a piece of meat as a white person, you are actively taking away a piece of meat that could be being enjoyed by a survivor of ancestral slavery. Eating meat is not only racist, but it's also anti-Semitic. During the Holocaust, Jews did not get to eat meat in labor camps. They ate potato soup, which would spill on their bodies, burning them and giving them infections. Now, Jews survivors eat a lot of meat, 
brisket. Just let them have that. Stop appropriating. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> my to be honest my favorite part of that video she goes look out boys we got an oppressor in the building like that is the funniest thing to i, I don't know why i find that so funny but it's like uh-oh oppressor we in the building a, that's a perfect one to uh clip right, right there to gonna, i'll clip it it'll i'll have it for next week maybe <laughs> that's i'll perfect. i might what i might do is put it for like end of like an end of show clip looks yeah. like we've got an oppressor in the building <laughs> That'd be good. What's it called? It's not clipping. It's a uh, like an ISO. Oh, man, I can't, an ISO. That's an it. ISO. Yeah. yeah, that'd be perfect ISO, dude. Yep. Every time we <laughs> say something or hear something, just boop. Yeah, I don't want to spend a. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because I don't think it's really. It speaks for itself, man. I. I mean, this girl looks maybe Does it speak for herself. Yeah, she she looks to be in. <laughs> like a freshman in college is my assumption and everything she's saying seems to be the little bits of when she was paying attention to her professor this is what she picked up and she immediately got yep. on tiktok and was like hey this is what i learned if you eat meat you're racist and it's like okay what uh, huh? and her logic is that slaves didn't eat meat or didn't get the good meat and so today I'm if I go to the store and I buy a steak, I'm taking that away from an ancestor of a slave. Yep. I mean, I don't want to get into the logic of and it because not it's, allowing it's them stupid, the opportunity but... to make up for the past meat eating yeah. that they didn't have. Yeah. On a, yeah, I know. So I guess as if you know, I'm, uh, not, I'm just gonna leave that there. Yeah, like there's there's, there's dudes there's there's but... dudes that I f I follow on Twitter who are black who hunt. And they get meat. They go out, they get meat, right? They don't need me to go, oh, let me step out of your way so that you may take the meat before I take the meat because potentially my ancestors enslaved your ancestors, right? There's only one and that's thing standard we're held to, to do, David, is to start taking off our clothes because we're taking them away from <laughs> Um, Taking them away from the sentence. Yes, of let me donate my Just hoodie so. <laughs> to <laughs> to someone who oh, clearly man. can't afford to buy it themselves because they're still yep. unable to do those things and held under that same system, dude. Right? It's it's just, and we're you know we're about to to, to talk about this subject. Yeah, and, we're about to get into it. Uh, it goes down to simply say this: it goes that whole argument boils down to this. Are you the one? that harmed the actual people. Right. Individually. Yeah. That's it. That is literally it. it. Did you, did you, like Joseph, did you cause slavery? Were, are you a slave no. owner? Have you ever been a slave owner? No. Do you have any or interest? Or has somebody been, let's take it to a different extent. Has anyone, have I or have you ever been racist ever hated someone based on the color of their skin no except for white liberal i'm just <laughs> except for like white liberal women <laughs> sorry guys <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm joking i'm joking yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's the thing is like no but again that whole thing you know how much it gets underneath my skin people say race because it's a social construct it's not biblical ethnicity is biblical 
Yeah. Um, and then in reality, objectively, it's not truth. It's just a social construct construct made up to divide people. Frederick Douglass spoke on spoke on this and gave a speech on it. And I can attach it in the show notes later. I can go back and add it to this episode. Um, he spoke on it. Other people have spoke on it. And there's actually been uh, uh, peer-reviewed scientific studies done on this, published by also... Uh, the study was originally posted by National Geographic. So anyway, it's not just... Just gets underneath my skin. People using race, like yeah. so. And, and second of all, to, to get it, black and white are just sh- shades of color. So right, are are pigments, shades. Right? They're not colors. It's like, they're shades. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, we uh, it's I, so stupid. It's just so stupid. Yeah. It if, really if it's is. if it's, it hasn't been clear, if you haven't gotten this from us, you want any hatred, any prejudice? Stupid. Yeah. And if you're a Christian. It's even stupider. Yeah, and here, and go the, ahead. And, and so all this this topic came about one because it's very very prevalent in the in the church right now. And and if you are if you're listening to this, you're not a church goer. This may not totally interest you, but I think there's a lot to understand that this concept of the cult, like that that is a cultural thing, is starting to get into. Uh, mm-hmm. religion, it's starting to get into a lot of other things. And <clears throat> personal belief is that the people who fall on the side of CRT and intersectionality have little to no interest in having a rational discussion about mm-hmm. why their position is, at the very least, potentially harmful. And at right. most, and where I tend to fall, very harmful. Not only to christianity but also to culture as a whole and the very people that try and help yes um and and so go ahead we you would you would ask me last week if we could mostly and i think we've done a good job we had the nancy pelosi clip but to move away from politics you know we 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 do talk about a lot of cultural things and some of that just happens to intersect with politics it's just the nature of the the current climate that we're Mm in but we wanted to do something different, um, and so we thought the doing something with more of the Christian angle um, to to start to mix things up uh, was a good idea. And yeah. um, I'd been thinking through a lot of things. And uh, shout out actually to Elijah Robbins, who we both know from Valdosta. He actually turned me on to uh, the movie by What Standard. It's on YouTube. It'll be in the show notes. It's about two hours long, um, and it has to do with. Uh, Resolution 9, which, uh, for those of you that don't know, in uh, the SBC or the Southern Baptist Convention, so it's sort of a convention of Southern Baptists who uh, get together and they vote on resolutions that don't, they're not like bylaws, so just because they pass this resolution doesn't mean that your church uh, inherently has to follow these things, because uh, Southern Baptist uh, churches are all independent um, churches. So mm-hmm. the, these, uh, and we'll get into it, uh, th- there's a, some people who do a really good job in some of these clips that we're going to get into, but I wanted to start by g- giving us a base point for what social justice is. Um, Can I mention something before yes. you? All right, so before we get into this, why is this important? Numerous reasons. A, God himself and his character, how he's revealed himself to be primary importance. Secondary importance would be this... Uh, if you want to destroy a society, you attack faith and you attack family. 
mm-hmm. right? They're interchangeable. In fact, after the Civil War, during the Reconstruction period, um, the African American community grew because of faith and family, and so that's also why uh, the racists, um, in you know, I would say prior to that, but we know it continued after that. So, the, so the race. <laughs> The racists prior to that and the racists after that, after, after being the Civil War, the reason why beforehand they didn't want the slaves to read and stuff like that is because when you read the Bible, you read about what Christian freedom is and liberty and who God is. And then that education then reveals the um, heinous injustice that they're facing and basically ends to their liberty and stuff like that. Right. Right. And so that's also why they, the slaveholders, um, separated families, uh, keep the family apart, uh, and then not teach them how to read. So they can't read the Bible for themselves and determine who God is themselves. Right. Using this example. And so again, coming back to right now, why does this matter? Because, uh, the way you bring it down on society is through tearing of family and faith. And we see this played out that since the 1960s, since 1969, 1970, it's either 69 or 70, the single parent rate has increased in every ethnicity or every race. Yeah. I hate saying that. It's but massive. every ethnicity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every single ethnicity. Um, and again, I think it goes back to what you, what we have mentioned before. What most said is that, uh, unfortunately, black people here in America tend to hold open the door for every other ethnicity, um, so or, or every other race. And, they using that term. Yeah, and it's it's actually an interesting thing because it actually it could be used for good, right? Like we're we talk mm-hmm. about, uh, you know. It's just like, uh, let's say criminal justice reform for a lack of a better way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you could essentially use that to make life better for everyone, mm-hmm. but they don't want to do that. It's always used to pit people against each other. Yep. That whole idea of equity. Right. And that's why I said before, they're not trying to get it to a place where, uh, in the, I guess, and because the, the stats don't necessarily line up. Uh, with at least like police shootings and some of this other stuff, like, mm-hmm. I, and, and this is why it, it's always oh, such a yeah, non-starter. No, right. And here's the thing, though, I don't really want to talk about stats because the idea is it's a non-starter. Like, police should not be shooting unarmed people or people who give up, right? Whether it's one or a million, right? Having a warrant is not a death sentence, right? If if you are if if you are not actively being shot at, right, as a citizen, and we talked about this before, you shouldn't get. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, no one should be shooting you, right? Because you're not being aggressive right. in that situation. It doesn't matter what you did in the past. In that moment, it is not up to the state or really any other individual to enact that kind of justice on you if you are not physically being altercated and your life to, is not being threatened. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just where I fall on it. I think that is the most consistent uh, way to go about this. And it shouldn't be a thing where people have to... And I, I was telling my barber this the other day. I was like, after doing the show so long, you see people try to slither into these positions, right? Where they're like, well, he shouldn't have done this, or this shouldn't have been the case. It's like, but he still shouldn't have gotten shot for what happened, right? right. There was there was no intent to harm, in, in most cases, right? And we're just talking kind of generalized. Mm-hmm. To If there's no intent to harm another person in that situation, there's no reason that a gun should be pulled and force in that nature should be used. I kind of feel the same way about tasers, to be and honest. Imagine- 
if I'm just being honest. And imagine about. if, imagine if the so I don't I fall mostly where you do. I think there's some caveat caveats, and so I think generally you're right. Um, obviously, there's certain uh, exceptions and expectations, right? Especially you know uh, here in America. But using what you just said in the Dante Wright situation, where the left loses people is, you know, they'll take what happened and they'll say, that's murder Mm -hmm. without sufficient evidence, right? They just see one video and they say automatically murder, which, which is implying intent. Yeah. Where when you listen to the video, she's saying shouting taser, 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 and she grabs the wrong thing and she shoots him. Now, I talked with the police officer about the specific case. Uh, I, I, I really don't mean to interrupt you, but we gotta we gotta get back on topic. Uh, we're getting no, like fine. we're getting like way. Well, off. I mean, this we're is a, way this off. is where. So basically, what I was would to I won't say that, but I'll just say this: that where they lose people is going a step further than what the actual evidence appears to show sure. in the beginning. Right? If more additional evidence comes to light, then you do that, and you know, not getting in, into the right just to save some time. I, I think that's. If you approach it in a more reason, again, and in a reasoned way and balanced way, it becomes more effective and it gets your message out there. And that's why I say, is it really about criminal justice reform or is it just about your agenda? Yeah. And I think that's a a good starting place into this. Uh, James Lindsay is going to describe to us what like a very sort of baseline definition of what social justice is. And then we will go uh, from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, social justice is uh, the adoption of the maturation of postmodern theory. It is the view that society is inherently corrupt and needs to be revolutionary, revolutionized, has to be reformed from the bottom up uh, to achieve goals such as equity, diversity, and inclusion as defined by uh theory so equity is adjusting shares so that people are made equal which is to say equality of outcomes being the relevant metric uh diversity means representatives of the authentic voices of various different not even various i shouldn't even say various it mostly means that you're going to take previously marginalized voices women black people etc and elevate them uh but only the ones who speak into the, authentic, the, the theoretically authentic discourse. And so, in a sense, it, it brings up a, a kind of conformity under the word of diversity. There's not diversity of thought. It's the assumption that there is an authentic black experience and people who speak from that must be present. There's an authentic Latino experience. People who speak from that must be present. There's an authentic Latina experience. and They must be present, and so on and so forth. Okay, so that's part one. There is a there's a second part mm-hmm. to that where he gets a little more into it. Um, but what he's essentially saying is that uh, social justice is a movement that looks at diversity in the sense of, you know, I'm white, you're white, we have a voice, and it wants to take classically marginalized groups of people, right? Um, mm-hmm. Blacks women even though women and i think there's a clip that talks about this even though women make up 51 percent of the population 
Um, yeah, so as far as like the traditional term of minority, they're not minorities. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like traditionally they're seen to have less of a voice, at least at one time they did. And the interesting thing about it is that it's not about having both being diverse in uh, ethnicity, if you will, and your opinions. It's about being mm-hmm. diver- diverse in your ethnicity, but having the exact same opinion as everyone else uh, who falls into that category. Uh, well, it's not even about diversity anymore. And now it's a step beyond that, which what he mentioned is inclusion. Um, he said equity, diversity, and inclusion, I think. And so uh, it's exactly right. This construct is a power structure of the oppressed class, and the oppressed class is always the majority. Theoretically, uh, which needs and, to be which needs to be clear is that he's, I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, the oppressor class. I'm sorry, the oppressor yeah. class is a majority theoretically, yeah. and then the oppressed class is the minority. Yeah, uh, and so and it's based off of okay, what power are you talking about? The hegemony of a society, which would be your your ethics, your values, your morals, and turning and and focusing on that and and saying okay you're getting these ethics these values these morals um this how you determine the metrics you, you use to determine objectivity from the oppressor class and so it seeks to turn that upside down yeah yeah to essentially make a, a new uh, bourgeoisie uh, which yep. you'll kind of get into once you see the connection with Marx, which there is, and Ooh. the fact that people deny it uh, is kind of which ridiculous. taking that to their logical conclusion and using their own terminology, every race is guilty of that. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the second clip. Okay. As dictated by theory, which means the only people who are going to qualify are people who have taken on board. Uh, the social justice theory mindset. Inclusion means that you have uh, adopted an ethic in which you will do everything possible to scrub a space of anything that could be excluding or offensive or violent in the very stretched theoretical sense of the word uh, that might make somebody feel unwelcome or, or excluded, which sounds very nice on its surface but it also extends to people taking offense by proxy so somebody says something uh, that has some racial connotation to it or whatever not even necessarily a racist connotation but just just some racial issue and some well-meaning other person says well a black person might find that offensive so that becomes the kind of thing that can't be said so inclusion means uh, speech codes speech restriction uh in terms of how theory defines what can and cannot be said. So social justice is the effort to take that particular ideology and make it conventional throughout all of society and core and central to all of the institutions. I think he, uh, I think he does a pretty good job of Mm -hmm. explaining that. Um, James is very smart. Uh, I actually think it's kind of interesting that in his little thing, so he used to be a very, very staunch atheist um, and Mm -hmm. people, people in, People in the sort of the Christian CRT realm don't like him, and they put him down because of his atheist background. The irony mm-hmm. of it is, is that like he's kind of been taken under the wing in some degree or another of like Vody Bunkum. I, I might be messing Vody's last name up. Vody. Vody. Sorry. Vody Bakum. Um, Bakum. And uh, I think it's actually pronounced Vody. Bakum. Uh, 
Forgive but us. Anyway, go ahead. Forgive us. Um, he's Darryl been taken Harrison, under the wing Virgil Walker. of some of these people, and even Peter Bogosian has to some degree. They've kind of created this alliance, and it's funny because this thing says agnostic. So he's moved like slightly closer because he's now at the point, I assume, right, just based on, on this, from being... Very st- and it, there's a clip about it. I think later on I might I, I got where he used to be a very 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 staunch atheist. Right? He's very smart. He's been involved in um, the like the university system and a lot of things for a long time. And now he potentially recognizes himself as someone who, at the very least, recognizes that God exists, um, mm-hmm. or that there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's kind of cool. Um, and you know. In traditional, what I would think in traditional sort of like Christian views, you would hope and pray that uh, these men who are having these conversations with James often would ultimately be able to to lead him in the direction towards Christ. Uh, mm-hmm. On the other hand, you have a lot of people because he is uh, very much against CRT and, and intersectionality and all yes. these things. Uh, they want, so. they want to say awful things about him and use the fact that he's not a believer as a reason for him to not be able to have a voice on this topic, um, which I th- I which think is interesting. It's very interesting. It's similar to the world, right? Yeah. How <laughs> these people, uh, you know, they only the left liberals only care about the voices that shared the same opinions with them. So they want the mm-hmm. diversity of ethnicity, skin color, but not thought. Mm-hmm. Blair writes White's a good example of that. Moe's a good example of that. You Mosh and me are a good example of that. Yeah. Mosh is a good example of that. Eric July is a good example of that. Thomas Sowell's a good example of that. Walter Williams is mm-hmm. a good example of that. Daryl Harrison. list can go on and on and on, on. So, yeah. So this this kind of leads us into the main topic, really, or what all of this is centered around, which is uh, I keep I keep wanting to call it like Section Nine or whatever, but it's Resolution Nine, which was something that was uh, brought up in 2019 at the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, it it was a resolution to uh, essentially affirm. Uh, critical race theory and intersection intersectionality within the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, so uh, I can't remember the name of the guy who is explaining this here. He's the pastor of a church in Florida, I believe. Um, I'm terrible with people's names. Thomas Oskell. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I'm terrible with uh, with people's names. And so when there was all these different people that I don't have any sort of interaction with on a regular basis, I'm like, oh yeah, this guy. Uh, but he, <laughs> he he does a good job of explaining the way that the convention works, and he does a really good job of explaining uh, why it seemed to be unfair uh, that they were kind of ramrodding this thing through. So this clip uh, explains mm-hmm. that, and then we'll go from there. Oh. I moved that the convention adopt resolution number three on local church autonomy. You know, the resolutions committee... It's just mostly formalities. I mean, this resolution have no authority in the SBC, but they do provide a little glimpse into the way the messengers are thinking at any one time. Resolution number four on religious persecution and human rights violations. Resolution six. And so that resolution committee has a lot of force that it brings to the table because anything that makes it out of committee carries with it uh, 
an assumed thoughtfulness. So you get the assumption that these are good things or the committee wouldn't have let them out. So if you're going to defeat something that comes out of the resolutions committee, you're going to have to convince the messengers in a timely way that these folks that have been studying these things for hours and hours and as we were reminded by Curtis Woods and prayed over them and, you know, put their best efforts into it, that they hadn't done a good job. And so you're, you're coming up against a stacked deck. You can amend them a little bit more easily. But whenever the resolutions committee saves some of its most controversial resolutions till late, and whenever the convention president has clipped the schedule of the convention by several hours, and so the time allotted for the debate of the resolutions is clipped to, I don't know, what do we have, 20, 30, 40 minutes, something like that, for 13 resolutions? Um, usually the easy resolutions are kind of all bundled together at the beginning, so you have more time for the ones that you anticipate are going to be debated. I would guess, if you ask most Baptist pastors, hey, do you think, a resolution on critical race theory and intersectionality will warrant a little debate. My guess most of them would say, after they said, huh, <laughs> what are you talking about? They would say, yeah, you know, we're going to have to talk about that. We're going to have to debate that a little bit. So that gives uh, some insight, I think, into uh, what was going on uh, at this convention. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it was two years ago, but I, I mean, if you're even slightly involved in sort of like, I guess, like modern Christian culture or whatever, this stuff has, is everywhere. And it's, I think it's gotten worse, and I think it's gotten more aggressive. Yeah, it's definitely become more aggressive and pervasive as well. And mm -hmm. it's, more, it's more deceitful and subtle with how they uh, try to use the Bible to suit their own means. Um, man, I just keep going back to... Uh, I think I shared it with you earlier. You did. Uh, where in Colossians 2, uh, verse 8, it says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human traditions, according to elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. And that's, man, it is definitely uh, empty deceit. Mm -hmm. You know? And I... That's exactly what CRT reminds me of because of the foundation upon which it is built. It is not built on a good foundation, but an evil and bad foundation. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 built <laughs> on a uh, gosh, a uh, like an atheistic model. Uh, mm -hmm. of materialism, which we'll get into when uh, I've got some clips right. on sort of the connection between CRT and Marxism. Um, but that that's what it is. I mean, Marx was, you know, a, uh, a, a materialist. He saw everything as like matter. Uh, and so that in and of itself, it makes it easier, right? Because this is, this is the same sort of logical thinking that eventually got Hitler to where he was, where it's like, mm -hmm. it's, it makes it so easy once you dehumanize people, because if you're like, well, everything is matter, nothing there's nothing in the universe actually uh has any real meaning uh so it doesn't really matter if i force myself on and my ideals and morality if you will onto all of these other people well this is what does it it takes we'll get into it later 
Yeah. <laughs> I know you got some clips. You're good. Yeah, yeah, we got a, we got a lot of clips to get through. Um, yeah. So, yeah. do you want me to play this next one? Yeah, uh, go ahead. This next one, next one is sort of the the moment. Uh, so the the resolution gets brought up. Uh, I, I think I have to to kind of make this clear. So the resolution is brought up as resolution nine and is uh woods do you remember his first name um he's he's the one in this clip uh no i don't remember oh, his first name i don't think okay anyway he's uh he, i believe he's he's a pastor he's heavily involved in the church and he's the one who's bringing re- resolution 9 uh to the table i think he's a professor too okay mm-hmm. either southeastern or southern baptist i think it's southern baptist seminary. yeah i think it is uh sibets um he uh brings the resolution on and what they try to do because he literally says you can go again go watch the whole thing you know you can kind of like confirm that we're telling you the truth on this but and it's in the it's in the in the video uh or in the documentary he uh he brings the resolution up and he says we would like resolutions 9 through 13 to be voted on as a block and what that means is that they only had about 40 seconds to get the rest of these through and so it would seem that they were purposely trying to push this resolution through because they knew it would be controversial and they did not. And he, I think he may mention it in this clip, but they did not want to have a, uh, a debate about why it wasn't a good idea to just push this through Mm -hmm. and why it needed to be talked about. And this is, like I said before, uh, that, um, that mindset of shut up and believe us, uh, and stop questioning and being skeptical about the things that we tell you. Yep. Um, so, let me, did you want to say something? No, you're good. Okay, I'm gonna. You covered it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're good. Uh, Bless unmuted. I appreciate the the words and the sentiment of the messenger. Um, we will take this as an unfriendly amendment for this purpose. It is our aspiration in this resolution simply to say that critical race theory and intersectionality are simply analytical tools. They're true. meant to be used as tools, not as a worldview. It's not true. It's not and we would also say that in light of the time, um, we don't have an opportunity to talk about the origins or, and as well as the implications of critical race theory. When you begin ding, to ding. think about worldviews and philosophical constructs, the Apostle Paul uh, appealed to the Epicurean sensualists. He appealed to the rationalists on Mars Hill. But that did not mean that Paul imbibed the views of the rationalists or the sensualists. When Apostle Paul quotes from Epimenides in Titus chapter 112, it did not mean that Paul believed that Epimenides' worldview was consistent. What we're saying is that this can be utilized simply as an analytical tool, not a transcendent worldview above the authority of scripture. And we stand by the strength of this resolution. Okay. Uh, you speak first. <laughs> Man, just again, he doesn't, they don't want to be questioned. Mm-hmm. They don't want to have a discussion. They just want to force it through. We went back earlier how in entertainment and everywhere is just forced on you, but specifically, we're talking about how in movies and TV shows is just forced down your throat. Mm-hmm. Here, the exact same thing the SBC is doing. I think do you have the clip of, uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and say it, Matt Chandler, um, talking about if we had a I guess he was rating uh, 
people who would come on as elders or pastors or whatnot in yeah. the church uh, on a scale. And- it's in the next. It's in the next clip. Okay. I'm pretty okay. sure. Go ahead. Play the hang next on. Clip. Yes, I think. Hang on. What was that? Clip six. So seven is just. Uh, I think so. So so. Uh, oh shoot! He mentions Unless that. Unless you got anything you want to add. Oh, but it's in there. Yeah. I think the next clip will tie perfectly into this. Dang it. Um, I like move stuff around and so now it's like no, you're fine. Um yeah, so I I think you nailed it. Uh he it's clear that they don't want to have a discussion. He goes, We don't have time to talk about the implications. Da, da, da. And in a normal discussion, you would go, That that is a red flag in my mind, right? If you and mm-hmm. I are having a conversation and you make a very like pointed statement, uh like an ideological statement about something, right? And you and I say, well, hang on, we need to talk about it. And you go, we just don't have time. You just need to to we just need to get this through, right? It's like that should be a red flag to people. Now, you mm-hmm. guys saw you guys saw in a in uh, one of the or heard in one of the previous clips how the resolutions don't really mean anything. Uh, it's more mm-hmm. of it, but it's a good gauge as to where uh, people in leadership, if you will, in within the church or within the Southern Baptist where convention. they're going. Yeah, where they're headed, what where their mind is at, and uh, it yeah that's that's where it is right. They're trying to get this through, uh, and, and they're they're being kind of like honestly deceitful about the way that they're doing it. So they don't want it's, to have interactions. They don't want to have these discussions. I haven't looked into this. I'm curious because I know they use the term uh, people in CRT that are Christians will often use the term white church, black church, and stuff like that, right? And other people have used that term. I've had conversations with people about it. So I just wonder, though, is this the same, are these the same types of conversations going on in those black churches to where they're like, we need to get more white people in here or more Hispanic people in here or more Asian people in here? I'm just curious. Or, you know, in Asian churches, is that going on in Hispanic Mm -hmm. churches or whatnot? I don't agree with that. I think, I mean, obviously, if I go to an area that's predominantly uh, one ethnicity. I'm probably in that church going to see mostly uh, that most people who look like the ethnicity. Like Dude, if I go to China, yeah, I'm not exactly. going to be expecting to see a bunch of Europeans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you go, yeah. if you go to a church now, in Kenya, you're going to yeah. predominantly. Ha- I mean, unless there's like an, a missionary from like right you know, South Georgia there, or whatever. Like your your majority of people, they're going to be people who were born, raised, and grew up in Kenya, and they are black most of but the time. But it seems like this violates that passage in James where it says uh, not showing partiality. But we'll get to that in the yeah. next clip. So here is... Um, so he said it's an analytical tool, right? So this next clip, uh, contra- he contradicts himself. Uh, Curtis Woods right. is his name. Dr. Cur- Cur- Curtis Woods. Um, I'll pull this up. Do, do, do the underground. Uh, oh, yeah. I didn't Jimmy, when I, I explained to Jimmy Woods, I said, Jimmy, because one day he said, you know what? I want to create a multi-ethnic church. And that's something you've been pushing into me. Why don't we do this together? I said, well, before you do that, let me ask you this question. Have you ever sat under African-American leadership? And he's like, no. I said, so why should black folk follow you as a leader? if you've never submitted to African-American leadership. 
What we're saying is that this can be utilized simply as an analytical tool, not a transcendent worldview. One of the challenges that I had to uh, one of the uh, Anglo pastor teachers was this. I said, Jimmy, for every book, he was a student, he graduated from Covenant uh, Theological Seminary in St. Louis. I said, for every book that you read, for every one book that you read by an Anglo, I need you to read two books by a non-Anglo. Analytical tool, not a transcendent worldview. One of the firms that's helping us find men said, let me ask you a question, Pastor Matt. If, if we find an Anglo eight and an African-American seven, which one do you want? I said, I want the African-American seven. And he said, what if we find an Anglo eight and an African-American six? And then I said, then give me the Anglo eight because the African-American six will look and feel to our people like the kind of tokenism that I'm preaching against. Where do you want to start with this, dude? This, uh, he's literally just defeated his own argument by yeah, saying in the beginning, it's tokenism. if there's an Anglo eight and an and a African-American seven, yeah. give me the African-American as a seven so he'll be, be my token. Right. He's like, but if he's a little worse, then I'll take the Anglo. <laughs> yeah. not to, dude, not to mention, and I guess we'll work backwards, not to mention, I oh, hate man. the term Anglo now. I've heard it so much in the past couple of days. I'm like, please do not refer to me as an Anglo. Please don't. Yes. It's like when uh, what, there was someone who mentioned recently, uh, they were like, don't refer to us as the black community or don't refer to us as um, maybe maybe. Oh, the blacks. That was that was one of the yeah. that was a term that uh, somebody I follow on Twitter was like, hey, like this this term is stupid and it, it's annoying. Can mm -hmm. you not can you not refer to us that way? And it's like black people is fine. You don't have to call us the blacks, right? And it's the same way. It's like, don't, I don't want to, I'm not Anglo, like Anglo? Oh, it, it, would you take an Anglo 8 or a black 7 or an African 7, right? Which is assuming that the person that you're talking to is of African descent to begin with. Right. So there's so much wrong with it. And you can see, um, there, there's two things that, that I'll say, and then, I'll, and then the floor is yours. First okay. one, you can see the naivety, uh, in Chandler in those clips because he's assuming that all black people come from Africa in that clip. Yep. Cause he's saying an African seven an African six. Right. But what if they're from Jamaica? Right. What if they're from another <laughs> Island? Right. right. Uh, what if they're, what if they're native black? What if they're not from Africa at all? Native blacks exist. They are a group of people. Right. There are black people that are in other countries that have never stepped foot in Africa. So they're not really African. So right. you're just making this assumption that that's where they're from. And it's, in my mind, that's very naive, especially from a man that at, at one point I was, uh, I wouldn't say like, I, you could almost say like sat at the foot of, right? I had a lot of respect for him Ooh. and my camera is acting like. I have a lot of. Yeah, me too. Uh, I probably have most of those books too. <laughs> so Joseph's pointing to a bunch of books by Matt Chandler. If uh, so, yeah, and that's a thing. And, and and we didn't mention this to begin with. Um, the intent behind this is not just to rag on these people because no, they're we are going to rag on them. I mean, they they, they honestly they yeah. des they deserve it. I I think it's very justified. Uh, we to, want to be silly. We want to be yeah. you know when we pay and, on ourselves too. And there's a there's so. a there's a clip from uh, Vody later on, Vody. Mm -hmm. 
uh, where he 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 kind of gets into uh, this idea, but it's like we understand that there is a this does come from a place of love. The problem is mm-hmm. is that it's misdirected. So, right. So the the thing I was going to also point oh, out is was, he just meant it. Go sorry, ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say the other point. the other the the second point was uh, that uh, Doctor Woods. Uh, is using uh, not he not straight up because he's not appealing to an expert, but he is technically an expert because he's a doctor, he's a theologian. He's uh, appealing uh, to authority, his authority, but he's appealing to authority to make the point: I'm smart, I know what I'm talking about. Just trust what I'm saying, right? Yep. And I was going to point fly. that out. That, so that doesn't fly. I'm sorry, I keep but, stealing your voice. No, 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 no. That was that wasn't my point. I was going to make about Matt Chandler. That was the point I was going to make about Curtis Wood. So you took that for me. Uh, the what I was going to say about Matt Chandler. The other thing he did was that he admitted to the sin of partiality. Mm-hmm. He just said if there's someone more point. qualified, has better merits, a you know, more mature lifestyle as a believer, as a man, um, I'm going to choose that person over this person. Uh, I'm not going to choose that person. I'm going to choose this other person that is presumably less qualified for whatever reason, but I'm going to choose them anyway, just based on the color of their skin. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. Just that. Yeah. And we'll get into this, this next clip, but if, if Dr. Woods was being honest about it, being an analytical tool, Mm -hmm. right. And that was, it was all it was, was we would like to research this, see what it has to say and see if there's anything in it that, from a Christian perspective, looking at our being uh, in society, if mm-hmm. there is the potential for some of this to be adopted and something that we're missing, would you have mm-hmm. a, would you have as much of a problem with it if it if if they had adopted tools from it rather than just wholeheartedly accepting the the theory? Right. Know? We could talk about you know, those tools and get into it. If, if he was open to have a discussion about it, even as, even if he was more open to having a discussion of it as a whole, right. Um, not just, yeah. you know, different breakdowns of it. Uh, you know, that would be an entirely different discussion, but because of he, the fact that he's not willing shows that there's an ulterior motive here. Yeah. And, um, I think to the question I would pose is like to, to someone is, with the Matt Chandler situation, imagine being that seven African American sitting down and then saying, Oh, why did I get this job? Was it because of I was qualified? Especially I'm in sure the current... they answer. Oh, sorry, go ahead. And then being like, Well, you know, probably they would say, you know, well, yeah, you were qualified, but was the main reason was because you were black. <laughs> they would never say that. They would never say that. But and, and <laughs> no, that's, they wouldn't do that, that. That's the thing, is like uh it's so ridiculous. In the current is, climate, right? That's because, why I'm laughing. Yeah, and you have to take it from the current climate, right? So you let's assume, right? I've never been to the village. Um, let's assume that Matt Chandler's church is predominantly white. It's mm-hmm. predominantly Anglo, if you will. Yes, please. Anglo-Saxon. Anglo-Saxon. Please. Oh, man. Uh, let's, pres- <laughs> let's, let's presume it's predominantly white. And you right. are fresh out of whatever theological seminary or mm-hmm. I don't know where they stand. They, they used to be like, Oh, we don't need theological degrees. And now it seems right. like the entire, everything is based on like education now and that appeal to authority within like SBC right. and all these things. Um, kind of sucks, honestly, but that's beside the point. Um, so you are black. You come into the village, predominantly a white church, predominantly white staff, and you are very aware 
of what's going on with critical race theory, intersectionality, and the Southern Baptist Church, churches, right? Because you you probably would be being involved in the seminary, being involved in all these places. And you're not the only person being interviewed, but it's clear that you look different from everyone. Even, even if they don't say it, it wouldn't be in the back, and I'm making assumptions here, but like it seems that it would be in the back of their mind always, especially with the way yes. that, Chan- especially if they got, got a hold of that clip from Chandler, right? And then it questions, yes. was, I the be- was I the best hire and was I hired because of the color of my skin? Right? Because, and here's the thing. That's exactly what I would do. If, that, if the, that's sorry, how I would feel. If the conversation, no, that's just how I would feel. Yeah. If the conversation was, and what's, what's interesting is if I was to go get hired at a predominantly black church, I wouldn't feel that way. I nope. wouldn't feel tokenized in that situation. Because I don't think they would use that metric. No. I, I think you're absolutely right. They would, they would look at, it, it, does, he, does he fit in? Because you kind of have mm-hmm. to theologically align, at least to some degree, right? Um, and is, you know, does he line up? Is he, uh, you know, whatever their requirements would, would be. Um, right. And so that's it's just kind of an interesting question. And it begs the question is, is there, I don't want to say like, because there's all this like weird talk about like hidden things within uh, this. And I, there's another clip from Chandler that we'll get to at some point. But this idea of, uh, of uh, like white supremacy within the church and the way that they use all these terms. And I've, I've talked about this in the past in other contexts, but it's a lot of uh, what I like to call ghost hunting, where no one, yeah. will, no one will say who the person is or where the systematic issues are coming from, but they will point them out as a generalized thing. And then when you question it, they say, no, you just have to believe us, right? Um, right. And, and that's what I think uh, anti-racism ultimately is, is it's ghost hunting. It's, it's yep. you don't actually have like vision as to something that's wrong, you're just pointing everything out and hoping hoping you land a hit at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what it seems to be to me. Did you have anything else to add? No, that was it. Okay, so uh, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I think the tools are important, and and uh, on along that line, uh, back to Mr. James Lindsay. Hey, yeah, check your uh, Discord messages when you get a second. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's important to the show. You could have played no, the let's, clip. Let's just keep. Let's just keep going. Okay. Let's just okay. keep going. It's cool. Uh, it's totally fine. You could have played the uh, clip and then responded to the you. Message. You, to you derailed my business. You derailed. You derailed. <laughs> <laughs> you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Here is James Lindsay. When you pick your tool to help, which a lot of people want to do, and they get pulled into this because they want to do the right thing, they want to help. When you pick the tool to help, the tool matters. So these are analytical tools. The tools you pick matter because if you get the wrong tools you're going to get it backwards look at the post-colonial theory view that science is a product of white western men and fits and is true in a white western context what are you going to do when you have to build a, a irrigation system or a sanitation system and or anything of modernity in say sub-saharan africa that doesn't have this in their their community or region yet you're going to build them an electricity grid what are you going to you're going to come in and tell them, well, you know, science is the white man's tool. That's the oppressor's tool. So, you know, think twice before you use it. Who are you helping? The tool you pick matters. Yeah, it matters, right? 
if pretty much summed it up. If if it lines up with real science, if you will, if it lines up with things at work and it keeps people healthy and it keeps people alive and you know, with like healthcare systems or irrigation systems, it shouldn't matter the color of the person's skin. And he's right. Why would it? Uh, right. But what seems to be happening, and it goes back to this thing that uh, Dr. Woods said before, where he's like, for every one Anglo book you read, you need to read two African books. And he may not have said African, uh, I but I, I think he did. Uh, I think he did. The yep. point still stands, right? It's like for every one white book you, and this is what he's really saying. There you, and this is this is the trickery of it, man. What they're really saying is, for every one white book you read, read two black books. Yep, dude. Because what they do is that. See, this is the thing. So, biblically. We would say that you are evil, sinful, because of uh, f- from Adam's choice of sin, uh, it, from that original sin, we're born into it. It's in our DNA, right? Yeah. But you also choose, you desire uh, anything, the things that go against God's law, His character, stuff like that. They automatically what their definition of being evil and sinful is is that because you're white. And you're in the majority. You're in the oppressor. You're they're in the powerful group, the oppressor group. You're automatically sinful, but we aren't because you're in the minority. That's basically what we're doing: changing the power structures. Yeah, yeah. It's it's what they want to do. Um, it doesn't have anything to do ultimately with um, being seen as equals, no matter the outcome mm-hmm. of the situation. Which I think biblically lines up more than the outcome being exactly the same for every person, right? Like yep. not every, not every person in the Christian faith is going to get martyred for their faith in the same right. way that there are some people who have done well in their life and they are going to be very wealthy and some people who are not right. It's weird. It's like, it goes and from, I think there's a better. go ahead. I was gonna say it's, it, it gets into that sort of Marxism, communism, the, the different social classes mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that instead of it being um, the, uh, equal spread of business or, uh, you know, whatever the case may be. It's like this power structure mm-hmm. that people see within the church and they just want, they want to have that same power structure, uh, just because, and there, there's, you know, yep. there, you know, it's when he goes back to like, well, how many, how many, uh, black pastors have you served under? How many African pastors, if you will, have you served under? And he's like, well, I haven't. It's like, well, then why should, uh, Africans follow you? And it's like, isn't that beside the point? Shouldn't you be looking to the people who have uh, a handle on it? I mean, look at Vody, right? Black man. I'm pretty sure he is uh, an actual African man. Um, I don't yeah. his blood. I, I don't know if he's he's Ados or if he came from Africa and he's here. I don't. Um, yeah. I'm not sure about his his background in that sense. But he 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 goes back to Africa. I think he has a a, a church plant or some some I, mm-hmm. something some sort of Zambia. ministry. Yeah, in Africa. Um, and, or is, and either and, Zambia or Zimbabwe. Yeah, he's massively respected by people, right? So he's shown not only through his words, but also his his deeds that he's following after uh, Christ, and he's he's trying to hold true to biblical teaching. And no right. one ca- no one cares that he's black, right? That's that's like one of the reasons I respect him so much is because he's a purple belt in Brazilian jiu jitsu, you know, like right. That doesn't. It's just one of those one of those things. It's like so. You're, I think, 
and I, I can't say for sure because, again, no one wants to have these conversations. I think that's a point that, right. that needs to be brought up. Uh, you you like try to, and I've I have tried to have conversations with people in the past, and there's always this kind of pushback to dig deeper into a topic. I'll get a well, this is a better conversation for in to, for like in person or whatever, and I'm like, well, right, okay, but do you want me to drive all the way to you? Like, I'll do it if you want me to, and then it's like there's hesitancy. So I I don't know, man. I, I, that's the well, biggest problem right now. That, but you're. So we're dismissed because of our skin color. And then when there is somebody of the same or that fits in the minority that has a diversity of thought that doesn't agree with them, then they're labeled as we saw on Twitter with, Mm -hmm. um, was it what I don't want to say Charles, Mm -hmm. oh man, the guy from his name. Is it the and project guy? He was involved in project guy. Was he the one who came back and and called him uncle, uncle Remus or not uncle Remus? Is it? Uncle Ruckus. It was from, from the Boondocks. From the Boondocks. Uncle, yeah. Ruckus. Uncle Ruckus. Yeah. And, and other was, names too. He was basically was call him, calling him a house inward. That's that's yep. the that is the equivalent. And and it's an interesting thing because you talk to people and, and and this is really funny when you talk to Christians about this stuff because they always want to and I think this is a good thing. They always want to kind of assume uh the best in people. Like give people the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. But then when you're like, well, he called him Uncle Ruckus. And they're like, well, I don't really see what's wrong with that. I'm like, he literally called him a house N-word. Like, that's what he said to another brother in Christ. Yep. And and then it's like, the yeah, you can't head really. Head pastor of a church. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's like, how do you defend that? It's like, how do you go, well, maybe he meant. It's like, no, dude. Nope. It's like, what's a character? <laughs> well, man, I'm trying to think of an evil woman or whatnot and oh, like instead of calling <laughs> this is what you're getting at your, yeah, yeah instead of calling your wife the b word you know just saying oh well you're jezebel or whatnot yeah, yeah like, lilith like there's there's definitely some you know it, it's easy to to get at that and and this has been the problem right, right is because of the the way, and, and this is what I honestly believe, because of the introduction of CRT and the way that it was inter- introduced into, specifically we're talking the context of uh, Southern, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, because we kind of play in those circles um, and are involved in those circles. Um, there has been this butting of heads that has led to strife, that has led to people leaving the church for one reason or another, um, has, has led to um, a dismissal of different types of leadership, right? Like I don't look at a lot of the people that I, uh, early, like early in my faith, like that I looked up to or that I, I found to be a source of comfort or good teaching. Mm-hmm. I don't look at them in the same way anymore because they, they dove same. and, and I'm a skeptic. Like I've, I've admitted that, like I, I am naturally a skeptic. Like it's kind of by the grace of God that I'm even involved in, uh, like Christianity at all because I'm naturally skeptical of literally everything. Right. Uh, you know, it's like, right. okay, well what's, you know, what's your source for this? Like, okay, did you, re- you know, it's that kind of stuff. Um, right. And so when I come up against someone who says I should not have to justify myself to you you should just believe what i'm telling you i have a problem with that i don't care what i literally don't care what it is i have a problem with that. i'm right there with you it's like you're it's like first of all it's like you're not god right you know you're not a divine being you don't have all insight into everything it's like you have to be able to prove to me in some form what you're saying that is that what you're saying is true. Yes, exactly. So, 
let's get into. I mean, let's run through some of these clips, uh, and then we'll okay. we'll keep the discussion going because we got quite a few to get through. Um, but they're they're Go not like it. they're not massively massively long. So we're gonna start with uh, Marxism and critical race theory. That sounds good. A little bit here because to really understand what's going on, we've got to start with Marx. Okay, Karl Marx believed that the world, everything in the world was just matter and energy. He was a materialist. Um, everything is physical. And as a result, he saw all of history moving forward in terms of one economic system being replaced by another. And basically everything was determined by the economic system. The politics, the religion, the ideology, everything was there to preserve a particular economic system. Now, he predicted that there would be a proletariat revolution, a revolution of the urban workers. It didn't happen. So you get an Italian communist named Gramsci in the uh, early to mid 20th century who looked at the reason why. And his conclusion was that the problem really lay in what he called the hegemony. That is to say, essentially the worldview or the ideology that the bourgeoisie, the propertied classes, promoted. He said the problem is the proletariat bought into the hegemony. And so what we need to do is to create what he called a counter hegemony. The idea here being that we're going to come up with a new ideology, a new worldview. This will be done through a combination of the intellectuals and the workers that will give them an alternative way of seeing the world and help them realize the fact that they're really oppressed. Um, do you want to give like a real quick definition of what hegemony is? You kind of mentioned it before, but this is actually one of the problems I have with the documentary. They use a lot of big words and church words, and it's just like mm -hmm. y'all needed to define some of these for people because not everybody knows what you're talking about. You know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the example, I'm sorry, the example, the definition I would give is the main dominant ethics values and morals of a society yeah i think that's a very simplistic way to say it yeah it's pretty good uh, and so yeah and so what uh critical theory theorists because there's, there's different critical theories but the mother uh being critical theory which has its roots originated with Karl marx and and communism uh is uh taking that and turning it on its head so it's realizing what those main values and ethics and morals are. And it's saying these were instituted by the oppressor class. And we need to flip that because if you don't turn that upside down, then the oppressor can continually be oppressed by the oppressor class. A good example of that too is uh, when BLM uh, was under fire for uh, talking about uh, their definition of like home life and that the, uh, what is it? The the normal like parent structure of like a mother, father, and children. Mm -hmm. They were, they like did not adhere to that. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because I actually asked Preston Perry on uh, Twitter. I was like, Hey, did you actually read their statement on this? Expecting him to say no because it's pretty obvious that like Christianity goes against what they were saying in uh, mm -hmm. what the household is supposed to look like. He's like, yeah, I read the whole thing. And then I was like, I'm not arguing with him about this. I was like, it's not going to go anywhere good. 
But it's like that at that moment, I should have kind of realized it's like maybe he actually is bought into this idea of a different type of uh, hegemony where it's like, well, maybe we don't need the the traditional structure of the the two parent house. I think you would have been fine to press him on it. I think maybe, you know, we're going to he gets defensive on Twitter, to be honest. Yeah, that's everyone because they read your intent into uh, every message is not just him. Uh, It seems like it is everyone. All right. You, but so yeah, maybe you're right not to. But go ahead, go to the next one. Yeah. So this is this is part two. This is sort of like what Marx was doing versus what's kind of happening today. Mm-hmm. And so the world divides up in Marx. The world divides up between owners and workers, which correspond to oppressors and oppressed. In these new worldviews that are emerging out of critical theory, oppressors and oppressed go way beyond just owners and workers. It's racial oppression. It's um, sexism. It's homophobia, it's transphobia, it's Islamophobia, it's fill-in-the-blank phobia. It's all of these things. So they're constantly looking to find new oppressed classes to join in their vision of a better world brought about by bringing down the oppressors and theoretically at least raising up the oppressed. And critical theory is really built around an analysis of society that says that everything is really revolves around power structures. And the power structures mm-hmm. are there to keep the oppressors in place and to keep the oppressed in their place. So, I mean, it... it Nailed it. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, there's... I don't know what else there really is to say about that uh, specifically. Um, oops. I have to back up a little bit oh, no, here. Sorry. because. <laughs> No, you're fine. I'm making all sorts of uh, mistakes. So we got Marx. Um, oh, and then, uh, yeah, so we, it, uh, he kind of goes into those ideas. And then this is actually, we'll go ahead and go into this, uh, this next one with him. Um, and so ahead. the older, cruder forms of racism said that uh, the Caucasoids, the whites, were superior because they, were, they lived in a harsher environment. And so they had to evolve more. They were more highly evolved in order to deal with the difficulties of living in, in these harsh northern climates. Whereas people in Africa, in the nice warm regions, they had it much easier. Mind-boggling. So they weren't as highly evolved. And in that result, they were less successful. And the northern Europeans were, were clearly superior. The new version of racism isn't that crude racism. It is a moral racism. It's the idea that whites are inferior, not necessarily biologically or intellectually or in in any of those categories, but they're morally inferior because they're oppressors. And when you use the word whiteness to talk about oppressive power structures, you are landing squarely in that narrative that whites are the inferior race because of their moral depravity, because they're the ones that control these oppressive power structures. That is no less racist than than anything else, because you are using race as a category, number one, to categorize people, and number two, to evaluate them, to determine who's better than whom. Okay. And so that leads directly into a clip from a woman that's part of a podcast called Truth's Table, which I'm sure you've heard of. Um, so just remember what he was saying right there, that uh, the new kind of racism, when they talk about whiteness, uh, they are 
uh, degrading people based on the color of their skin, but it's a it's a moral. Mm-hmm. It becomes a moral thing that I am morally superior compared to uh, whiteness. Right, Anglos. The reality is that whiteness is rooted in plunder, in theft, in um, enslavering, right? Enslavement of Africans, um, genocide of Native Americans. So it's a real quick, it was a real quick, quick clip from that, but it very much shows that, and, and, and I don't know, I think you and I have had this conversation and, and I know this is going to be really, I don't, who knows who's going to actually be uh, listening to this, um, mm-hmm. but it really does show just this like moral superiority that people are going through, right? Like, would you, I, I, I think we would probably both agree with this, but I, I think, you know, <laughs> that uh, Jesus was, was pretty clear about no one being moral, no one being just, right? There is not, there's not this yep. hierarchy of uh, men, if you will, no, men meaning all people who are morally superior to anyone else because we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's pretty standard, basic, like entry level when you become a yep. Christian or, or start getting involved in Christian circles. Would you agree with that? Right. So I agree. for, for people to, and I, I think we've seen this, uh, on social media, um, and we're, we're seeing it in, in, in that clip in particular, there's this morality thing where, because of the color of our skin, we are morally inferior to other people because we are part of the quote unquote in this theory oppressor class. Right. Yeah, me. That clip and everything you just said just spoke for itself. You got anything to add? No. All right, and you I hit, hit on the hill. I I think this next clip Not should yeah this this thing should this next clip. Do you see my camera? This is insane. It's been zooming in yeah. and out. <laughs> and I don't know why. Friggin' thing. I'm gonna like Jeez. I'm gonna I'm gonna adjust a little bit and see if I need to talk to your production team. I know. We're gonna get <laughs> I'm next by next week. I'll be using a different camera by next week. Um sorry everyone. But if you're listening to the audio version, it doesn't really matter. So this next clip I think does a really good job explaining how CR like CRT and intersectionality and this this sort of like justice movement, like we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. very much is a religion. Uh, the problem, well, one of the many problems, right, is that CRT and intersectionality and this idea of being anti-racist, it does not have uh, salvation, if you will. So let me play this clip uh, by our friend James Lindsay at this point, uh, and he gives a, a pretty good explanation of this. Because it comes out with these ideas like racism is everywhere, always, it's imminent. Everyone participates in it. Whites automatically benefit from it and can't help but do so. So they're sort of extra complicit. The only way to deal with that is to do anti-racist work. That's what they call it, anti-racist. That's like, think of it almost like a brand name. It's a very specific term. It's not this general term, and oh, that's what I think it means. It means that you must constantly look for ways in which you and others around you are participating in the deep system that's just under the surface and always hiding and hides in subtle ways. So you have to buy into the ideology systemic racism. of systemic racism and constantly look for it in yourself and in others 
and point it out to make it more visible so that you might lead people to want to affect the revolution. So this, rev this uh, particularly the, I can't remember the plank you read, I think it was the last one. It's not really asking people to adopt what they think it's asking them to adopt. It's asking them to take in an entirely different worldview that's in many senses not only incompatible but will eat away the, tr the values that they have. Yeah, one of the core tenets is the work of anti-racism is never done. Never. You can't do it right. You no can't redemption. finish. And then... Never accomplished. Hmm. It's interesting. Seems pretty uh, antithetical to scripture, does it not? Oh, very. It's forgiveness plus something, plus, plus, plus. It's salvation. Mm. I should say salvation plus something. Do you know where I'm going with the next clip? I think I got these in order. I do. <laughs> Go do ahead. Wanna, do you want to play it? This is a big one. You read me. I'm as hard on the black church as I am on the white church. It's just the white church got more power. They can do more harm. The more power you have, the more harm you can do. And that's why the white church need to be critiqued and white theologians need to be critiqued. It has to do with power. It has nothing to do with biology. And that's why the redistribution of power is so essential. If you're not talking about redistributing power, you're just joking around. You just want to feel good. It's not about feeling good. It's about distributing power. The cross, as I said, is God taking the side of the victim. It's a symbol of that. God making ultimate identification with the powerless. Now, if the powerful in our society, the white people, if they want to become Christians, they have to give up that power and become identified with the powerless. If you're going to be a Christian, you can't be identified with the powerful and also a Christian at the same time. That's a contradiction of term. Now, how do I, how do I know that you really are identifying with the victim. Well, if you're identifying with the victim, you not only want to feel good about that, you also have to pay back that which you took. You just don't say, please forgive me now. The only way in which your repentance, your forgiveness can be, can be authentic, your reception of it can be Authentic, your repentance can be authentic, is that you give back what you took. <laughs> I feel like you were over there just like holding something in. I see why he came up with his own theology. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. Right. You literally said before about the plus thing. Like it's, it's, it's Christ plus. And it's never enough. Yeah. Never enough. That's the thing. It's work-based religion. When it comes back down to it, it's how many good things can I do to earn my salvation? And that's not what salvation is. And Jesus did not identify with the victims. Oops. Like, no. I like mean, he, he, listen, 
sorry, go ahead, go ahead. And then I'll, I'll I, the whole point of the cross is that he died for his enemies. People who hated him, right? People who hated him. Me, I mean, you, everybody before we're Christians, that's our default position. We, we love darkness. The Bible is very clear on that. That just speaks for itself. It should, so, you know. And he's saying, like, he had three. And that redistrib- I'm sorry, that redistribution of power. What is Marxism? What is communism? Redistribution of what wealth. power? Power. What wealth. did it lead to the yeah. communist revolution? Right. It's mm-hmm. it's wealth, power, interchangeable, right? And so, uh, I mean, it just led to it's collectivism, it's lumping groups of people, it's racism, it's racist. It's lumping group of people and and categorizing them based off of X Y Z the color of their skin, generally right, yeah. acting acting as if everyone who has black skin or white skin, uh, or you know you want to talk about like any other race that they all think and feel the same because they all look and feel the same, mm-hmm. or like they all look the same right. So you and I right. obviously have all of the exact same opinions, feel the exact same way about everything in the world, never have any arguments. We're completely like robotically in sync, like some sort of, uh, you know, computer system. Right. And we all think this way. We all have the exact, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff because of the color of our skin. Right. And then, you know, the the thing that's so weird about that. And the question that I would want to ask him is like, okay, so you believe that, in order for me to uh, be a Christian, uh, I not only have to accept Jesus, but I also have to give something back. It's like, well, what am I giving back? You know, what are the ta- and it's actually kind of funny because this is these are like similar questions to what uh, people are asking Fauci about. Uh, the coronavirus and vaccines, mm-hmm. and they're like, when is it done? They're like, give us actual like uh, physical. Or, or like just give us some sort of thing that that's like when you do this when we get to this point that is when everything is good right and you'll know when your heart David. yeah exactly and that's the thing is like you just you just have to keep giving and he's what he's doing is he's p- piling all these things on top of what Jesus said was necessary for salvation mm-hmm. right and this yeah. is what we're this is where I come in because I, I don't know if you remember, but there was like a Sunday, probably a couple months ago. I think it might've even before we started the show, uh, where I was like, bro, I woke up this morning and I just had this feeling like division was coming. Like it was the weirdest thing that, that happened to me. Yeah. I remember that. And it, I don't know where it really came from, but it was, it was very much like I woke up on a Sunday morning and was like, the church is about to see massive division. Right. And I I think this, 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 Shifting and that sifting mm-hmm. is occurring. So you, we're going to see who, uh, for the most part, who the true believers are and who who aren't. It's definitely coming fast too. Yeah. So, and I, I think like we talked about it a little bit last week. I think weirdly enough, all the stuff with Corona kind of played a part in that because mm-hmm. you saw the the temperature rise, right? You saw the tension right. build and a lot of things. And everyone's try- like, you saw people legitimately trying to be like, hey, like, I'm trying to understand. And they go, well, you need, and this is a common phrase. They're like, you need to go do the work. You need to do the work. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, but where do I start? It's like, that's not up to me to teach you. It's like, you have to go do it, all right? And so you have two things that happen, right? You either have people that go the route of like Robin DiAngelo. Mm-hmm. Or yep. 
you have what happened to me when no one would no one would have a conversation with me like right after George Floyd. Now it wasn't this was not a new thing for me. Like I, it's stuff that I've been studying in the past. Uh, like I've read new mm-hmm. uh, new Jim Crow um, and a few other like different things in in that realm. Um, but I went okay. Uh, I'll go learn. I'll go figure. I'll go figure out for myself what's going on. And that and that was right around the t- time that MoFax started. Right. It was actually a little bit before that, but that was the thing that really got me listening to uh, to MoFax. Um, Mo introduced me to Maj Torre, who mm-hmm. was who I love that he says be a solutionary. I think that's that's very uh, intentional phrasing into to, uh, what he wants done. He's, it's like don't just talk, find solutions solutions and enact those solutions. Right. So like you and I, we don't have a lot of money. We don't have a, yet. We don't have a lot of clout. We don't have any of these things that on a massive scale could cause things. But it was like I was telling you before the show, like I'll wear this Black Guns Matter hoodie around. People will want to have conversations about it. And you're moving people closer in a direction to understanding why uh, self-defense is important. You know, it's like that potentially mm-hmm. could lead to relationships. That could lead to other things. And you're building community. Right. You're building all these things up. Whereas what uh, what they're doing, in my mind, seems to be trying to tear apart church. Yep. They're trying to tear yep. people apart based on the color of their skin. Because they don't want to start, they don't want to start conversations, right? And so then Mosh Torre leads me to Eric July, which leads me back into libertarianism, which leads me into anarcho-capitalism, which puts me directly in opposition to a lot of, uh, like, really in opposition to statism and a lot of these other things that are going on. Um, And so now I'm in this place where it's 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 really boiled down to this thing that it's like the state is the issue. That is a major Mm -hmm. issue, and like we were saying before, in some of those other topics we could deal with uh, a lot of this with uh, abolishment of certain laws of mm-hmm. um, reform of others and of having actual conversations and not just saying dumb things because you're trying to look good uh, for people who are calling you racist or you're trying to avoid right. being called a racist. Anyway, do you want to add anything before I get into these next clips? Cause the, nah, they, they play, they play into this. How many more clips we got? Like five ish. Oh, nice. That's not too bad. <laughs> We're not Five-ish. doing too bad. Yeah. How, how I am are a racist. Over bad? Uh, uh, two hours, 16 minutes so far. We're doing fine. Okay. <clears throat> we'll, we'll run through these next ones because these are what I would say are s- the beginning outcomes of going down this mm-hmm. path of adopting more than just a analytical tool but truly adopting the ideology of CRT and um, intersectionality. You ready? Right. Oh, I need to share these. Here we go. I am a racist. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if that freaks you out, if if you think the worst thing somebody can call you is a racist, then you're not thinking biblically. Mm. Because guess what? I, I, I am, I'm going to struggle with racism and white supremacy until the day I die and get my glorified body mm. in, a re, in a completely renewed and sanctified mind. Wow. Um, because I'm immersed in a culture where I, I benefit from racism all mm. the time. So he was saying that if the worst thing that you get called is a racist, you're not reading the Bible right or you don't understand the Bible? Am I... That's what he's saying, right? 
Yeah, and I think he's saying that we're all racist on some level too. Yeah. And, and it's like, weird because he's a provost there at uh what is that? Southern Baptist Theological Southern Seminary. Baptist? Yeah. And uh that's the senior administrative administrative officer that's in charge of like the priorities of education and directing the funds towards spe- the specific goals that they have right so and and he's, uh, he's saying i am a racist and this is the yes. guy that they have in this position so i would automatically fire him yeah oh that would have been a fireable offense be like do you really believe that, that you're a racist yeah, it's like well then you can't be in this position <laughs> exactly right <sighs> okay next clip All right. I have grown up with this invisible kind of bag of privilege, this kind of invisible toolkit that that I can reach in there at any given moment and and have um, this type of privilege that a lot of other brothers and sisters don't have. Joseph, are you able, oh God, my mic's falling over. Are you able to reach into your invisible bag of privilege at any time uh, to use it to get whatever you want? Uh, I must have. I must have lost mine. I don't. <laughs> I don't know what happened to it. Listen, and so my ancestry line has uh, a bunch of kings from Ireland. At some point, my family made a bad decision because I grew up poor. <laughs> I'm like, where is all of that uh, class privilege, right there, bro? I mean, I think you and I both can attest that. Like, one of our goals is to to in in a what I I, I think is a a good and biblical way, like make mm-hmm. generational wealth that it's not just yeah. about you and i trying to collect that wealth and we're not marxist either patrice colors are right, you ready for the next one yeah jen wilkin who's one of our favorite bible teachers here and who's actually leading our women's conference she said she said we ought to whisper about what the bible whispers about and we ought to shout about what it shouts about and the bible appears more to whisper when it comes to sexual sin compared to its shouts about materialism and religious pride In fact, Jesus one time, not one time ever said that it was difficult for the same sex attracted to go to heaven. He did say it was easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle, eye of a needle, than it was for a religiously proud or materialistically successful person to enter into the kingdom of God. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. 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 Yeah. (laughs) I like the, uh, the the guy that comes on right after this. I didn't clip that part, but he says basically like, yeah, but... Like Jesus doesn't really talk about incest, but we all know incest is not okay, right? Or bestiality. Yeah. So it's one of those things is like Or drugs, does he? Jesus doesn't talk about No, he doesn't drugs at at all. And so it's like uh what is it? Uh (laughs) he's whispering about these topics in the sense that he doesn't talk about them as much. And so we have, and, and this has actually been kind of a common thing. They're like, pay attention, always pay attention more to the things he talks about more and pay attention less to the things he talks about less. And I'm like, that seems like a, not a good way nope. to interpret what Jesus was trying to do. No, we should probably pay attention to everything. And that one imagine everything was important. Yeah. But that sounds like on the surface, that sounds like when he says that, you know, Oh, yeah, that's such a, or I guess when he's repeating what Jen says, that sounds so good until you think about him like, oh, yeah, that's idiotic. Yeah, it's not very good. And uh, this is the 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 current president, I believe he still is, of the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, now, everybody says something like it, it's, this is not I, d- directly related. 
I know that JD's better than this. Oh, like, I know he's a smart man. Dude, it's the it, it's like when he um he like I wouldn't say I'm as smart as he is. No. You and know what I'm saying? He um But that's the point. If I see it, how do you not see it? Exactly. And and why did and maybe they did. So but this is what I talk about all the time. It's like you have to have people around you who are willing to just be like, "Hey man, when you said this, do you realize that this is kind of what you're getting at with that?" It's like you're kind of affirming that these are like lesser from a Christian perspective, these are are lesser moral mm-hmm. sins. Like right. you know, it's like yeah, you probably shouldn't uh sleep with your mother or father, but he just whispers about it, so you know, just 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 the same way like whisper. Just oh, I I did that. You know, and then like don't, you know, don't be like a rich a rich douchebag because right. of the the eye and the needle and you know, he also, you know, he talks of that one time about taking the plank out of your own eye or whatever, so you know, uh, I don't know, man. Yeah. Uh, th- and this one isn't directly really with CRT, but it kind of falls into the same vein. It's like when you start getting into these like weird logical inconsistencies, you mm-hmm. can kind of see why this stuff started started to come in. So, um, I've the next one is about where uh, where where CRT could potentially lead, um, and then we're going to be really close to being done. The basic concept of intersectionality is that all oppressions are the same. So homophobia is the same as racism, is the same as sexism, is the same as Islamophobia, is the same as transphobia, and so on. All of these things are connected. And there, and by the way, it's also worth noting that if you go to the Santa Barbara Integrated School District, they've got a handout that shows oppressors and oppressed. And basically, one of the things that they list is Christianity as an oppressor. And that... Mic drop. Yeah, you and I have talked about this in the past or whatever, but it's like there. And I, I, I want to say that I, I mean this, um, not in a in a um, necessarily aggressive way. But there's a lot of people that are being useful idiots right now for something that they mm-hmm. don't understand. And there's one nope. of two. There's one of two things that's going to end up happening, specifically with the church. Right. Um, people are going to either move further and further away from the church in order to keep this. Uh, intersectionality and critical race theory uh, ideology mm-hmm. going, um, and it's it's a weird point, right? Because you have someone like Jackie Hill Perry, who falls very in line with this like CRT stuff, and I believe intersectionality. She also at one point was a lesbian who converted to Jesus, and now correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is the story. Um, who converted mm-hmm. to to Christianity and is now straight and is married to. Uh, mm-hmm. Preston Perry and they have children, right? right. Yep. How does her story uh, and her redemption in Christ, right, from the Christian perspective, how can it line up at all, especially with intersectionality, right? But and when I say that, like CRT and intersectionality go hand in hand. You can't really have one without mm-hmm. the other. Right. It doesn't make sense. Nope. And the first people. And I think. Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say I mentioned this uh, some episodes back that. What's happening is that you have these people standing on a beach and the tide's coming in, right? Like, like imagine like a, a steep, like, like a uh, plateau, not a plateau, but a cliff. I don't know. Anyways, just an embankment and the water's coming in and this part of the embankment gets brushed off and it's the, it's the conservatives. And, and uh, then 
this part of the embankment gets rubbed off and it's the libertarians and then this part of the tide comes in more and it's the uh the liberals and then this part of the embankment comes comes off and it's the christians eventually unless you choose to forsake christ or can keep this um framework this worldview <laughs> you're gonna be tossed in the gulag with the rest of us yeah which is again it goes back to like how i ended up in this sort of libertarian camp where it's like mm -hmm. and i read this today and it's it's this idea that you cannot force your morality on other people because force again it goes mm -hmm. it very much goes against everything i, I jesus wasn't jesus trying, didn't force it, exactly he did not force his morality. He lived. He lived in a system that hated him, right? Where, um, and, and he hung out with people that weren't like him. People who were, um, mm -hmm. who were from a biblical standpoint immoral. Um, mm -hmm. but he was not trying to force them into believing what he did. He went to them. He discussed right. with them. He talked with them. He showed them love. Um, I think CRT and intersectionality goes completely against the idea of that. And I think one of the biggest things, and we've said it multiple times during this, is that this concept of shut up and listen and just believe what I have to say. Um, and it is a way of forcing you into a place of like, if you do not believe what I'm telling you, if you do not fall in line with me, you're racist. Right. And that's not loving. That's not Christ-like nope. at all. Anti-racism anti -racism and all this stuff is not Christ-like. And this no. is coming from two people that like, we're relatively educated, right? But we're not, we're not doctors. We're not uh, theologians in that sense, in that like, current like smart people sense right um, we understand maybe more than the the average layperson, and, and we can kind of interpret and do some mm -hmm. of those things because that's stuff that we were taught but like we neither of us i don't think have formal education in any of this stuff nope. um and i i purposely want to stay away from it because of falling into this this position of being like i'm smarter than you i know more about the these things therefore you must listen to everything that i say yep exactly so you got to be careful. Um, two more clips. Three more technically, but two more for this subject. I have had in the back of my mind that if this were at the height of the new atheist movement and when, you know, we were extremely involved in that, if I wanted a plan, if I were going to design a plan <laughs> to bring... <laughs> right. Oh yeah, I know <laughs> to where you're bring going. the whole thing down. The whole all of Christianity. Let's end Christianity. <laughs> how do Christian we do it? Dumb. Yeah. How would you do it? Make them woke. Yep. So it'll eat itself from the inside. Yep. And then I'd be. I'm not the old guard atheist I, refer, I I alluded to earlier. But if I were the old school angry atheist, it's like let's just throw rocks at the cathedral till it falls down. I'd start making woke <laughs> pastors and sending them in because they're going to tear everything apart. Yep. Because they're going to make everything about identity. It's inevitable. And that's all they talk about. Is that not true? That clip speaks for itself. Yeah, it's kind of why I saved it for the end because it kind of just, you kind of play that and you go, well, I guess we don't need to talk about the rest of this stuff. And and that's exactly what's happening, right? It's everything is about identity. Everything's about skin color. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, we have definitely had interactions with people that do not take what we have to say at the same level as someone who has different skin color. Mm-hmm. You're right. They don't. They don't see. They don't take um, our words and what we have to say as equals, right? They see see us as less in that sense, um, as because inferior. Of, yeah, as inferior because of the color of our skin, because we don't necessarily have the same like lived experience, right? Yep. 
And what, a lot of what that is is a lot of it's projection of something that's not really true, right? You're straw manning um, people into a position of uh, you can never understand. Um, this is who you are. This is what you believe. This, this, you know, it's like that whole thing with like anti-racism and um, the work is never done, right? It's like you can mm-hmm. you can never understand. You can never fully be uh, relieved of these things um, because of who you are, because of the color of your skin. Yeah, it's standpoint theory. It's just if the, you determine truth based off of your lived experience. Yeah, it's evil. But yeah, so dude, it's just straight up evil. Like I, yeah, there's really not a better way to put it. Uh, all right, two more clips. You ready? Yep. And there will be a falling away. There will be a great divide uh, over this issue. And it saddens me, but I don't see any other possible outcome other than this great divide. It's 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 a bridge too far. Yeah. And he's right. And he kind of goes into some of the uh, the Me Too movement stuff with that clip, um, mm-hmm. but it wasn't it it wasn't really like necessarily relevant to um, the rest of it. But it, he he thinks that one of the bridges that'll be too far is. Um, this the women pastors thing and as you've seen with the whole Beth Moore situation um, that's kind of come into play uh, and if you want we can close out with this uh, this funny clip yeah. that I you know I mean it's from a few years ago or whatever but I think it kind of gives I think 2016 I want to say was it really that that's not that long I think ago so. um, this clip of her who has been she's been kind of recently a controversial figure in uh, the church, like the church in general, whether you're mm-hmm. Southern Baptist or not, I think she's a little more well known than just that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's end it on this clip. Yeah. This will be a funny clip to end off on. Very few times I've ever heard God be this articulate with me, and I'm telling you, word for word, these words came into my heart. I'm not asking you to witness to him. I'm asking you to brush his hair. <laughs> Lord. That man needs witnessing to. <laughs> what good is combed hair if a man is lost? And I can tell, Lord, that man, I am your witness. I am your witness. I am your witness. I am your, I am your girl. Me. Me. I got the plan. I got the Roman road. Amen. Still in my heart. I mean, we are just having a fight. I didn't tell you to witness to him. I told you to brush his hair. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> just end it there. I'm like, no commentary. Just end it there. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening. Don't forget to, uh, you know, you can contact us anyway if you ever want to have these sort of discussions. Yep. Yeah. Or if you're hearing god that he wants you to brush someone's Listen, hair if you want if you want to come over if you want to brush my hair and while we have conversations uh actually you know what don't please don't god <laughs> please don't do that um uh, anyway uh we'll see you guys next time